Good morning. In less than an hour, the aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind. That word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will be once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression or persecution. But from annihilation. We are fighting for a right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But at the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We are going to live on. We are going to survive. Today, we celebrate our independence day. cultural barriers and lines every single day. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. It is uh, 8 minutes 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of October in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along. Uh, we are here in the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, the talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into amusement. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503 503- Seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you would like to uh, join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, limerick, haiku, whatever it is you have on this uh, Thursday, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah at nine seventy dot am. Tim at nine seventy dot am. Or Richie with a T. At 970.am. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along anything you got on your mind today. Uh, today we're going to try to take all calls within seven minutes. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up today. First of all, I'll just I'll get right to this because I don't know anything about it, but I hear that it's fantastic. Apparently Sarah's got the best worst story ever. I really don't want to tell it, but... But you have to now. I know I have to, and I made—I I told a couple of my friends yesterday I made them promise not to tell. I'm like, but then I, I just realized that there's no way I, I can't not tell you. Well, I think that's a well-known dynamic on this show and with us, where something horrible happens to you, and your first reaction is to vow never to tell anybody. Your second reaction is to tell, like, you know, your, your a loved one or a friend, but then tell them, like, no, you can't tell anybody else. And then the third thing is just realize you have to tell it on the air because that's just how it goes. That's just the—it's like a Nietzsche in embracing your fears. You know what I mean? You're afraid of spiders? They're going to lock you in a fruit cellar all night. Anyway, so Tim's heard the story, I think. I have not. I have. It was a wonderful radio story. 
So some of Sarah's friends have heard the story. I haven't heard the story, but even see you're blushing now just thinking about it, which is how I know it's great. So we'll have you uh, we'll have you relay that to me and everybody here in a few. So I, I I don't want to know what it's about. I don't know where the story took place. I know it happened sometime yesterday. As the extent of my knowledge about this anecdote, which apparently is rife with amusement. It's not that. Oh, yeah, that's Does it involve you saying the C word accidentally on MSNBC? <laughs> not, not that bad. Well, okay. Uh, anyway, so so we'll get to that here in a few. Lisa Desjardins joining us from the Hill as we are now, what, 12 days away from the election? Something like that? 12 days away. Don't forget, coming Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., Rick Emerson's political party. That is happening Tuesday night, November 4th, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl in conjunction with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. Uh, it's going to be the, the, the huge, many-splendored night to come on down, watch the election results, and, uh, I don't know, prepare, prepare for either joyful exuberance or desperate depression. You know, whatever. Or just drink. I, I, I don't care. Uh, so that's going to be at Grand Central Bowl Tuesday, November 4th, featuring live updates throughout the night. A live broadcast by News Director Tim Riley throughout that evening as election results come in, uh, both here in Oregon and around the country. So we'll be broadcasting live news updates from there, and then Tim Riley's going to be broadcasting live across America on the CNN Radio Network a few times throughout the evening. Uh, thanks to our fine sponsors, Taboo Adult Video, Powell's Books, at Cedar Hills Crossing, making that possible. So uh, more details at 970.am. That's the Rick Emerson Show Political Party coming up Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., at the newly remodeled, revamped, and refurbished Grand Central Bowl. Uh, what else? Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us today. Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, it is High Concept Thursday. I'm way. I have two different High Concept topics that I'm weighing. One is sort of TV oriented, and one is music oriented. I think we'll go with the music one, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure. So we'll do that later on. Uh, what else? Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. We will do another exit poll since uh, ballots got sent out like two, three days ago. People have started voting. So don't call about this now. But later on, we're going to do another exit poll. We'll see how uh, Oregonians are casting their votes in 2008. What else? Double Geek Watch today. Clergy Watch today. Glorious Bastard of the Week. Oh, I'm going to do my ballot at some point. So we'll have... Uh... We'll have everybody else just uh, tell me how to vote. And I think that goes for Sarah, too. I think we're going to tell Sarah how to vote as well. Um, that Oh, oh, uh, one more thing. And don't get too excited about this because it's, it's, it's less. I mean, it's really it's not even worth the weight that you know, the Chinese democracy was. So Chris Paddock yesterday hooked me up with. Uh, and really, I urge you now in the strongest terms, don't get too ratcheted up about this. The new Striper single. I'm telling you right now, you don't care. I mean, even if you care, you don't really care. I mean, I've heard it, so let me just, just a little confidential uh, from me to wondering in Wichita, you really don't care about the new Striper single. I'm going to play it a little bit anyway, just so we can all, you know, be up to speed and on the same page, but it's, uh, it's just to uh, modulate our enthusiasm about that. I think that's kind of, well, we got a whole bunch of other stuff, but that, those are the broad strokes. Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, James, uh, James Roop, High Concept Thursday, Dorothy Casasari from The Inquirer. Uh, new Striper single, Exit Polling, Double Geek Watch, and a Clergy Watch. And Sarah Dillon will be telling the best story ever. It's not the best story ever. I don't want you to build it up out Is of... Is it embarrassing? Yes. It's Is really it... embarrassing. I didn't... I, I didn't... I, I could hardly tell my friends, let alone tell everybody. I like what I'm hearing. Tim Riley, what news stories are ye working on today? Nothing as good as that, I tell you. Yeah. But Taffy Anderson caves into public pressure and promises to return the bunny book. So let me just note, not only is she in favor of censorship, not only did she at one point, uh, just my assessment of this, mm -hmm. not only did she at one point illegally uh, keep the book and then threaten to destroy public property, she now doesn't even have the courage of her censoring convictions. 
All right. So there you go. Wait. Way to be both narrow-minded and spineless. Well done. <laughs> CNN gives away free gasoline and Tiger, but they're all done now. Peeling off scotch tape gives off x-rays. Alan Greenspan promises a credit tsunami. A Washington woman is irate after the satellite TV installer chopped down 43 trees on her property in order to give her a reception. Turns out they pointed the dish at the wrong satellite, giving her foreign language programming she doesn't understand. <laughs> Barack Obama sneezes on a reporter. <laughs> the U.S. will return the triangle of death to the Iraqis. What is a triangle of death? Is that like a throwing star? Uh, I guess so. That's an area of Iraq. Remember, we wanted other people to join us oh, in the triangle I thought, it was like, of death. I thought it was a weapon, like no, a no, stealth no, bomber or something. Triangle of death. It's a, an area in Iraq. Why did we even want it? Let me ask you this. Can why I? Just, do we want it? Why did we want a triangle of death? Because it was a war we wanted to win. <clears throat> but I mean... What was the upside to being in possession of a triangle of death? I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but I'm. That's like if some guy comes up and goes, um, look, I've uh, I've got this pile of nuclear waste that will kill you and your loved ones. Do would you like to own? Yes, I would. Can I have that? We're gonna clean up this triangle of death. If someone offered to give you a triangle of death, you would probably turn it down. Mm -hmm. uh, you would be not inclined to accept that offer. Well, whatever. All right. Uh, Lindsay Lohan is making the work working atmosphere ugly on the Ugly Betty set. And something especially for the ladies. Ladies, listen up. Three cups of coffee a day may shrink your breasts. Do you mean like as, like if you soak in it? No, if you drink them. You mean I can't take coffee, coffee baths anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Not all ladies, just some ladies. Well, well that's just mean. Well, okay. Know, yeah, well, all right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Oh, uh, also, and can I just plead ignorance? I don't know how we're going to do this. we got to give away a ticket. We get to. We, we're, we're able to give away tickets to Against Me today. But here's the thing. Oh, my God. I don't really know how to do that because I'm not going to pretend to be cooler than I am. I, we play a bumper from Against Me, right? Don't we play that? Uh, yeah, you play uh, their single from Don't Lose play. Touch. Yeah. Which is a great song, but I, I'm not going to try to be hipper than I really am. I, mean, I don't yeah, really I don't know find, anything else about it. They have a lot of profanity in their songs. So I'm like, yeah. they're, they're very political and profane. I'm like, maybe I can find a song. And I really dig that song, but, I, but I'm not enough of a fan to sort of pose and be like, I'm going to do Against Me trivia. I mean, I guess I could, but I, I, I'm not going to lie and say that it's coming out of my head because I really don't know that much about them. So, I'll give you some against me trivia. All right, we should think about it. I mean, it'd be cool if the tickets went to somebody who was, you know, really into the band. Mm -hmm. You know, not that we don't enjoy just giving stuff away higgledy-piggledy, but you know, went to somebody who was actually into it. So we should think on that. So, and they're going to be a really neat band, too, to see, because uh, they are kind of, um, they're not they're not one of those annoying political bands that are just, like, ramble on and on about how much they hate George Bush, Bush and stuff. Right. But, I mean, they are they're semi-political, so they're really entertaining to But they're watch, playing with Ted now. Leo and the Pharmacist. Yes. All right. So, uh... Are you going to go? I, I don't know. I, well, somebody told me it was sold out. Somebody mm -hmm. told me that there were no more tickets available. So, oh, I think there might be. All right, I'll look at it. Where's it going to be at? Um, I believe at the Roseland. All right, I'll uh, I'll look into it. I'll put it in my planner. Uh, so that sometime today we got a pair of tickets to Against Me and Ted Leo and the Pharmacist, and another pair of those tomorrow. Don't forget about the I don't know three weeks from now. Roger Klein and the Peacemaker is going to be in studio. We'll have tickets to that as well. So uh, anyway, do do uh, do try to catch that. All right, before we get to Sarah's story, anything else? Oh, and if I sound, I told this uh, I told this to, to you guys before, but so if I sound a little uh, out of it today, which I don't think I do. No, you sound fine. Thank sound you. Sound fine. So, so I could just keep the whole thing a secret, but if at some point uh, I just start to half-life away into just a, a somnambulistic stupor or whatever, I didn't really sleep all that well. I, I mean, I, look, I got more sleep than my wife did because she came home last night and she was... Com this sounds like such a bad story. This sounds like a story that turns into a Darwin watch because we didn't pay enough attention to or I disregarded it. So she came home and she was having these kind of chest pains. But the thing is, it wasn't 
Yeah, she's a nurse, so she knows what chest pains are sort of important and which ones are. And it wasn't like shooting pains in her jaw or anything. It was on her right side, too, which is not like a heart thing. And so she thought she just pulled a muscle or she, you know, you know, she strained herself somehow. She's like, I get these chest pains. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, maybe you just, uh, you know, because she's been doing some, she was like remodeling the basement. I'm like, well, maybe you were lifting something or, you know, whatever. That basement um, remodeling has been going on for a long time. Well, she's, you know, she's remodeling like three different rooms of the house at once. So she's multitasking. So rather than taking one month to remodel one room, she's taking about six months to remodel three at once. Because it's sort of a, a slow and steady wins the race thing. Anyway, so I thought maybe she'd been lifting something or whatever and it pulled a muscle. So she went to bed, got up and took a hot shower because it still was, you know, she thought maybe that would relax. She took a, a muscle relaxant, nothing up. So about 3, 3.30 in the morning, finally was like, i got to go to the doctor. So, uh, and it turns out she got just like a, like a minor, uh, like a lung not like a, like an inflammation or whatever. What do they call that? It's a thing. Anyways, it's a, they said it clear up in like two or three days, but she got some real minor lung thing. So, uh, so I'm so I'm going on a couple nights in a row of because the night before that it was the dog who had to go to the vet and get his teeth pulled and get a bunch of antibiotics because uh, this other dog took a big chunk out of the roof of his mouth. So it's been a, a few medical crises in a row at the Emerson household. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, except to say that a listener. We'll get to this, Tim. A listener sent me. What purports to be a completely accurate timeline for Mad Men. In other words, it is a timeline of Don Draper slash Dick Whitman's life. Okay. Uh, starting from birth up until present, you know, in series, present day. So Where did this to, come from? Uh, a listener uh, assembled it. He said he went back and reviewed the show several times and was sort of went to the Internet and was making notes about what happened when. And he does believe that he has the Don Draper, Dick Whitman age timeline. Yeah. Uh, so that it'll tell us when everything on Mad Men is taking place, because they've been sort of vague about some of that. And also because the thing about that show taking place in the 60s is, and partially in the 50s, is that everybody has such a plain, stock, American look to them mm -hmm. that you can't really use clothing or hairstyles as any sort of a benchmark to figure out when something's taking place, because they all just look like they came out of a Crest ad, you know? Mm -hmm. Like they're all like right out of a Colgate billboard, so it's hard to tell when anything is sort of transpiring. So uh, all of that coming up as well. And this is all true. Why, hello, Sarah Dillon. Hello, Rick. Without further ado, how was your yesterday? It was fine. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. All right. Okay. So, I got home from work yesterday, mm -hmm. and um, uh, earlier on... Uh, like earlier on this week, um, one of my friends needed a ride somewhere, and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm like, no, I can't do it. I'm sorry, I can't give you a ride because I was so embarrassed at how dirty my car was. Right. So yesterday I got home, I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna clean my car out today. So I got some garbage bags, you know, and uh, start picking up, you know, bottles and papers and stuff. And uh, I get to my back seat, and I've already, you know, filled up an entire garbage bag full of stuff. So I get to my back seat, and I see this, um, this frozen dinner that I remember that I had thrown back there, like. I don't know, like six months earlier, because I had, like, bought it, and I set it on my passenger seat, and I forgot about it. So it was, like, still sealed and closed and everything, and it was, like, some spaghetti, you know, lean cuisine thing. Let's just stop for one moment and say, this never happens to you, Tim, ever. You can count on zero fingers the number of times you've ever found a frozen dinner in the back of your car. This is why months. this is embarrassing. This is my life, okay? This is how, this I'm is with how you. I live my life. It's okay. All right. So I have this frozen dinner, and I remember throwing it in my back seat, like, you know, like six months right. ago. Right. And so um, I saw, like, the edge of it, you know, underneath the papers and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, here's the thing. <sighs> oh, okay. So I, <laughs> so I pick it up, and I'm like, this is surprisingly light. That's weird. And, and I look, and there's no food in it. 
And the reason that there's no food is because there was a hole gnawed into the side of the frozen food. And basically, I have a rat in my car. That's great. Something crawled into the thing, ate out all the food, made like some bungalow thing in my back seat. You have an actual rat's nest. Well, because I don't not I don't have a rat's nest. No, but I had there was at some a point a bungalow. At some point there was a rat in my car that ate the. Why would I've, I've, I've cleaned it out. There's nothing. There wasn't none in there. Is there a safety seat for the rat to ride safely? <laughs> yeah, is there? Does it he have a little so helmet? Awful, so I freaked out and I called my friend Lisa and I'm just like, oh my god, Lisa, I'm like, I have to tell you something and you have to promise never tell anybody. And she literally said to me, she's like. Did you poop your pants? I'm like, no. I'm like, I have a rat in my car. Was, now, did you take a photo of the little bungalow or whatever it is, the little vacation no. home the rat had made? No, it didn't really make it. So I, so, yeah, so I pulled it out, and it had, like, a big hole chewed out of it. And it was really light, and it took me a second because I'm like, what happened to the food? And I look, and it's, you know, all these little teeth marks on it. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Well, because, to be fair, I don't really drive a lot, so sure, my car will, right. will sit outside, and it's an older car, too, so I don't know if they, they can just, like, crawl well, but that was Well, but that's my thing. So how would the rat or mouse or whatever had gotten into your car and then gotten back out? It seems like it would still be in there. I don't know. It, it wasn't. I cleaned out the inside. I guess thing. it could bolt out when you open the door to get out, but it seems like he wouldn't because he'd be afraid really of you. I don't have anybody in the back seat, either, and it was in the back seat. And I can't... How would he... How would he even get into it the was, car? It was quite curious. I don't know. And, like, so he had made, so at the foot of my back seat behind my seat, so I was taking a hanger and I'm right. freaking out, like, talking to my friend trying to move everything after I'd seen it. And he had made, like, there were all these little, like, bits of tissue and some of the cardboard from the box. That's cute. It was made a little nest. My stone, little home. Yeah, mice don't bother me. But well, at least you feed him healthy food. That's what I'm saying. At least you weren't the yeah. At least you weren't giving him the dreck. How so, many rats eat link cuisine? But I mean, <laughs> it's true. But I, but I'm back on the whole thing of like, how did he get into the car? I don't know. I don't even know if it was a rat. Maybe it was a squirrel or something. Well, that's even less likely because the squirrel's much bigger. How would a squirrel have gotten into your car? A that squirrel just... was hiding in your office that day. You didn't know it. You were sitting there all morning. Yeah, but we've what got big, uh, we've got big ducks on top of the roof. Yeah, the I mean, cars your car. are weird, and especially like even older cars have like holes and like on the bottom of that's them. That's true. Maybe he, I like, guess it, it would, my car would sit there because I mean I don't I don't really drive a lot. You leave the windows open? No. See, that doesn't make any sense. No, and that was the only thing that was. I, I just left that one Link cuisine in there, and that was the only thing completely shredded by my my driving. Your new companion. rodent friend. Yeah. See, I don't know a lot about cars, but I'm trying to think of what would be like. A squirrel seems even less likely because they find can... like kittens and stuff in their engines. Remember, like like cats can get in. Like they well, they want to find warm places to nestle. In. I guess, but I don't see. I don't know how that works either. I guess you could go underneath. But even if he went, even if he got in. Well, first of all, a squirrel or a cat could get up into your engine from underneath the car because they can jump and climb. You know, they have the you know with forearms that let them climb. A rat or a, a mouse though wouldn't be able to do that. In other words, they're small enough to get from the engine into your ventilation into the car, but they're not big enough to get up into the engine in the first place. Well, that's what freaks me out too, because like a linguine is a pretty decent sized meal, and that thing that must was... have taken a long time. You can't do no, that. No, I know. I thought about this, and I was driving last night, and every once in a while I'd like try and listen for a squeak, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, t- I'm tucking my pant legs into my socks. So it doesn't like, run up the pe- the leg of your pants. God, I know. I just drove to Bremerton and back this weekend with my little rodent friend. Didn't even realize it. This is just like the mouse and the motorcycle by Beverly Cleary, sir. Well, it's a rather discriminating taste. Exactly. Exactly. 
Seriously, I wonder how long it was back there because I had to work on that lean cuisine. That's the only food I had in the car, so that was so. Maybe it just got bored as soon as it was done with that and left. This is just like Runaway Ralph, and you're playing the part of Garf. But honestly, I, I have to say, this has changed my life. I will never ever have a dirty car again. Now, see, but you say that, no, and we all know I that's mean not it. true. No, you don't understand that that feeling where I'm lifting up. I'm like, you know how when you think like a cup has liquid in it, you yes. pick it up and it's empty. It's mold exactly or something. Like it. Oh yeah, because it's because you're like, you wait a minute, too much force, and I'm like, I basically like, pick this thing up expecting it to weigh you know like a couple pounds, and it's like, and then it's like layers of, of revelatory horror where it's too light, and then there's a hole in it. And then it's empty. And then there's a rat's nest. There's not a rat's nest. Well, but there was a. But, but he had taken. He had made himself a little place to live and sleep. That's a nest. Well, I think I'm I not... made the. I made the place for him. <laughs> it was just the whole. It was you... all like old Willamette weeks and like <laughs> and like plastic bottles. And... That is great. That's wonderful. This is why I didn't want to tell this. I'm a 28 year old woman not and I had a rat living in my car. It's right that you told this story. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, I do. Yeah, but you know. I do live in Southeast, and there are mice everywhere, so... That's okay. You know, but here's the thing that is sometimes the mark of intelligent people, that, uh, you know, that they don't clean it up. Look, here's, um, there's a story about Bill Gates uh, that I believe to be true. Um, it was in this book called uh, Hard Drive, and they, uh, a friend of Bill Gates was telling this story. And he wasn't trying you know, slam it. He was just saying he was... They, they talk a lot about Bill Gates and how he is so intensely focused on things that he, just to the exclusion of everything else... I mean, there are all these legendary stories about all these... In the early days when Microsoft was really becoming a big deal, he would go to do these press you know, interviews and these photo shoots, and he would just show up, you know, with like a torn sweater, you know, like, sweat, like a sweater with food on the front of it, and like his glasses were filthy, and he was unshaven, and he hadn't combed his hair in like four days. And it's like, because he was just so busy at the office, like, working and making money. That's just like, I don't, yeah, I don't care about my He just car. doesn't care. And so this friend tells a story about Bill Gates, about getting into Bill Gates. And this, it's like a it's like a Mercedes or something. Gets into Bill Gates' car, because they're going to go out some night. Gets in the car, and it's just the worst smell of his life. He's just, and it's, ugh, what is that smell? And he's like, Bill, what is, did something die in your car? What is it? Why does your car smell so bad? And keep in mind, this after Bill Gates was like a billionaire. And he's like, Bill, what is, what is wrong with you? And Bill's like, oh, I don't know. I don't really notice anything. And the guy is like looking around, and he finally turns and he looks in the back seat, and the entire floor, the back of the the, the back seat floors of Bill Gates's BMW or whatever, are filled. The, the floor is filled with empty, um, like small, like one serving quart milk containers. Oh. Because Gates is a big milk drinker, and the thing is, he'd be driving to work in the morning, glug 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 milk. Well, off for another day at Microsoft, glug glug, and then toss it over his shoulder into the back seat, and after six months. The car smelled like it was just filled with rotted milk, and Gates just never noticed it somehow. So that's like that's my thing. I think with my car, I know that you should, you know, respect your property or whatever. But I mean, like, I a car is just a mode of transportation. See, to me. I'm it's with just, you on it's that. It's just a mode of transport. I just I basically only use it to drive to Bremerton or drive to work, like this morning when I'm feeling lazy, right. and that's basically all I use my car for. So that's exactly the thing. Like, I'll I'll drink a Visa or something, and then toss it over my shoulder right. into the back. I forget my Ling Cuisine in the front seat. We really are so we are so similar in no, so many is, ways. We really so, are. It's so embarrassing though. I didn't want to tell anybody. But I'm like, this is ridiculous. I have a little right. rodent friend living in my car. No, I'm I'm exactly the same way. And I know that. I mean, I'll, here's uh, Lara will sometimes bitch about the car being dirty, you know, or whatever. Because I I mean, in the past, when especially when I didn't have a new car, you know, because you know the car I'm driving now is kind of the first new car I ever I've ever had. But um, you know, when I was just having a used car, I, I, I had a car one time. I think I went three years without without washing it. Without I didn't take it to the car wash once. And, it, and it's not because I'm a dirty person as such, 
you know, I'm not like some pig pen guy, but I'm with you. A car, to me, is just a tool. It's just a thing that gets me somewhere. And Just like how we've talked about dinner. Like it's exa- just kind of something that you just want to get over with. Crap that you put in you to keep going. That's yep. my deal. And I've had guys especially, though. Will I, like, I'll have a guy in my car, and he'll be like, dude, what is... What is up with it? Oh, it's dusty. What, dude, are you going to get this waxed? Are you going to wash your car? And I'm like, you know, it's just a car. I don't care. And it's not that I don't take care of the car as such. Like, I try to make sure it's running well. I get the you know oil changed and all that. Mm-hmm. But as far as cleaning it, washing it off, again, it's not that I'm a filthy person. But the, the car to me, to me, that's like cleaning a pair of scissors. You know, the car is just a thing to get me somewhere. I don't really care if it looks good. I just I just don't. So yeah, a, a person I had in my car recently was telling me, they're like, hey, you know, for there's this place on Broadway for 13 bucks, you'll clean the inside and out of your car. Right. I was starting to feel dirty. I'm like, I don't really want to spend $13 yeah. on having someone clean my car. Doesn't matter. As, as long as it's rodent-free, I'm happy. Who am I trying to impress? <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, about uh, the, the rat or rodent getting into the car. Yeah. Um, all cars, if you, if you ever see a wrecked car with the back bumper taken off, see a little black square of flaps. It is an air vent to uh, for your car, so when you shut the doors, you don't bust your eardrums and mm-hmm. everything. The rats can get in uh, behind your bumper and get into your trunk. And then once you they're go. in, they're in. There you go. And once they get into the trunk, a lot of times that leads right into the back oh, seat. Oh, God, I didn't open the trunk. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Okay, oh. during the break, we have to go and open my trunk. Seriously. That could be a rat hey, condo. Guys. See if there's a rat out there. Oh, Thank you, sir. God. Seriously, that could be a multi level. Oh my god, I left. Oh, I went to. Is there more food in the trunk, yes, Sarah? There's food in the trunk. There's food because I went to Bremerton and I totally forgot my mom gave me a box of life cereal a couple <laughs> months ago. <laughs> I hate my life. You know what you are, Sarah? Classy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I was just going to say the, kind of the same thing. That mouse is probably still in your car, Sarah. In the trunk with the food. Either trunk or under the seat. That's like why you haven't... Rings are and, stuff. and that's why you no. haven't seen him in the back of the car, because he's busy chowing down on the trunk with a buffet. Don't reach under the seat. Ouch. Don't go in He'll the house. He'll bite you. He'll Excellent. bite you. Hey, Rick, Rick. Yes, sir. Can you play Emmanuel Lewis again? I think this cracks me up. Please? All right. Uh, don't let me forget this. Emmanuel Lewis. Well, I'll play it into the break. All right, thank, thank you. you, sir. Thank Great you. show ever. All right, what we'll do is we'll roll through here and talk to Lisa, and then I'll play Emmanuel Lewis into the break. All right, uh, hi, you're, Sarah's actually pulling back and cut, like wrapping her arms around herself. Your body language suggests fear, Sarah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Good morning, Sarah. This is Oz. Don't worry about it. I also had a little fuzzy friend in my car. I had a little, a little two-seat Italian car, and the kind with the headlights that pop up and pop down when you turn them on. And and one afternoon, I was headed off home on the freeway and I flipped the headlights on and the headlights popped up and like something out of a uh, you know a Stuart little scene from a movie a little mousy ran up on top of the headlight looked around and then ran back down inside That's and I, I've got to tell you I'm, I'm gonna throw my manhood in, in front of the car I tucked my pants legs inside my socks because I couldn't bear the idea of a mouse going up my pants legs while I'm doing something. Oh, no, because that's what I did. I did that today, and I did that last night when I was driving. I was just, yeah, I tucked them into my socks. Now, there's too. nothing unmanly about that. That would be a terrifying thing. I mean, A, because you don't want to go into your junk, and B, just because, you know, you don't want to do something and your pants biting you, I think. I think that's a perfectly reasonable, <laughs> that's a perfectly reasonable state of mind, my friend. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All I right. am so freaked. You, are you going to come outside with me? Yes, I am. By the way, this one says it's not a mouse. It's probably a rat. There are way more rats in Portland than mice. Um, tell Sarah to pull up the back seat from its frame and make sure she's not running a rat hotel without a license. That's, that's what my friend just said. He said that um, my friend who works with cars said that usually they nest between the back seat and the trunk. Oh, my God. That's great. Um, oh, my God. Well, there were rats under my house, so I know there's a lot of rats. You know, there was rats in my garden. You know, they dug out 
You know, they dug out a whole thing in front of my house. I'm afraid that's just going to be teeming with rats if we open the, the trunk, and there's all gonna, there's going to be a whole rat community. Well, the idea... I haven't opened the trunk in months. And that there's food in there. Oh, my God. There's food there's in your food trunk. There's food in my trunk. This is fantastic. Richie, do you have your ca- Richie, do you have your camera? Oh, yeah. Oh, All my right. God. We're totally going to go do that. That's wonderful. Uh, so, uh, let's see. We'll get a few more here. Um, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I've been there. I had an old 1973 Dodge Dart Swinger, and for about a week and a half, I kept finding odd things, chewed pieces of paper, fluff from underneath the seat, couldn't figure out what it was, set a little mouse trap. got him. Uh, In your car? In my car. Okay, I'm totally going to do that. Got to set a mousetrap. All right. Then you'll know for sure. <laughs> That's the only way. we got to nuke it from orbit. That's the only way to be sure. All Thanks. right. Thank you. Bye. This email says, I am a horrible person. Why? Because part of me hopes that for Sarah's sake, there is no rat in the trunk. But another part of me hopes there's a family of rats there, just so there's a story to tell for years to come. I am sorry. I'm a terrible person. All right. Uh, this email from the low says, I apologize for this, Sarah. Oh, no. Does this mean Sarah has a rat problem because she's got junk in the trunk? Oh, my just, God. I, I, I know. I just, uh, you know, I don't screen them. I just read them. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I was going to say, if she needs help uh, eliminating any pests, let me know. I'd be more than happy to come over there and get rid of them for All right. It's, humanely. Uh, well, but then inhumanely if she needs that. Well, we've, already, we've already got that guy that comes to the building like twice a month to try to get rid of the squirrels. Oh, really? How are we going to do it? So. You just going to set a mousetrap then just like the lady said? I don't know. Um, I mean, could you put like a trail of food leading out to the parking lot so they just sort of leave or... I wanted videotape, though. No, we're going to do that. He has a video camera. Oh, yeah, we're all over that, sir. Oh, so everyone can cool. see my embarrassing dirty trunk, too. This is just awesome. Excellent. Best day ever. All right. Thank Have you. Bye-bye. Right. That's wonderful. All right. One more, then we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Seems like a pretty easy solution. Throw a cat in the car. Hey, um, there you go. Then it <laughs> all sorts itself out. Well done. Hey, uh, I wanted to mention a couple of things this morning. First off, um, the triangle of death. Yeah. We heard that in the southeast as uh, that blinking thing on the back of the uh, the buses. Yes. Because when they're coming out, you move or you're dead. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, I went to the uh, Sherry's this morning on Murray and Allen in Southwest, mm-hmm. and ordered up an omelet and some hash browns. And the lady said, "What kind of toast do you want?" And I swear to God, she says, "White wheat sourdough English muffin." And I started to laugh, and she said, <laughs> "And she said what? And what? She I missed the last word." And she said what? Biscuit. <laughs> Why we never know English about biscuit? So I I pulled out my uh, my phone and I had to play her because I have as a ringtone. No, uh, what are my choices for bread? Um, and you know you know how it goes. And had to play it and then she called over another waitress and we all laughed and thought that was the greatest thing. So. There's just so much in this call. So, you, the, so your ringtone is the white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel song? Yeah, so I can just, you know, add, add uh, any time. That's great. What are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. <laughs> and so as a result, you know, you can just, you can play it as you're walking around the office, whatever, and, and everybody at work. That is you know, so say, great. Hey, we want we want sandwiches, and I'll say, well, you know, what? Oh. You know, what, you, what kind of sandwich, and then, you know, everybody that, says that it's... That is so great. And I like the fact that it was a two-syllable type of bread starting with a B that wasn't a bagel, though. Exactly that. But I, she asked me what kind of toast I wanted, and I, in my head, started to laugh because I was there being right. asked. Right, What are your choices? And, uh, and I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't say what I wanted, and I wanted to see what she had to say, and she started saying them in order. And, uh. you know, as the milk is coming out my nose... She says biscuit. 
Oh, oh excellent. Uh, yeah, That's it, a great it was story. the greatest thing. Thank you, so, sir. Thank you. Ah, that's wonderful. All right, fantastic. Well, uh, later on today, then, we'll go open the trunk and see what might be lurking within. That's a great story, Sarah. Thanks for sharing. You did the right thing. Well, we'll yeah. figure this out. Let's welcome now to the... Uh... <clears throat> From the Hill... CNN Radio correspondent of the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? Hi, guys. Hello. How are things? How's life? Good, good. You know, can't complain too much. Been one of those kind of nutty days. I was so, I'm so excited whenever um, Dick Giuliano, Bob Costantini, and I are ever in the same room because it, it happens very rarely. And I came in today. We all had to be in the D.C. Bureau for different reasons. And I walked in and I was like, hey, guys, I was so excited. And to find, like, both of them scurrying about, Bob was very stressed about a live shot that was coming up. Dick had to move some equipment, and I, I it was kind of deflating for a minute. It was, it was too bad. But then, and then it picked up later. But I still, I still feel like I'm still waiting for my, guys, isn't it great? We're hanging out. You know, it, you, you know, know, in your head, it's always like the first day of summer camp, and you're the counselor named Jill. Oh no. Which I mean Maybe. is a couple. I'm just saying you are really you were you were just a, you were just a, constantly just a flutter with excitement about these things. <laughs> Yeah, my yeah. Maybe I need to take stock, but yeah. But I, I'm still kind of excited. I'm still very. No, no, no. It is. It, it is very exciting. Now, are you going to be doing um, the CNN radio election night coverage? I will be. I'm going to be anchoring our election coverage uh, starting at 7 p. Eastern, 4 p. Pacific, uh, with Kira Phillips of CNN Television. Uh, now you know we will be carrying that long. Phone no coverage. kidding. We hey, will. that is great. I'll give. I'll definitely give some major shout outs then. Yeah, we're going to be carrying that. And then I do believe it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been absolutely confirmed yet, but I do believe a couple times throughout the night, our own news director Tim Riley uh, will be doing a, a couple small shots with you guys to kind of give uh, updates on, oh, on how the great. how the elections are going here in Oregon and Washington. So. That is great. I love that. That's you know because I. I should tell you this whole this setup has made me realize what a sexist I am. I'm a little worried about two women anchoring coverage. Isn't that terribly sexist? Oh, man, it's like I opened my mouth and I had about five different jokes, and then, but they all collided, and so now oh, I have no. now I have nothing. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, no, 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 I, I wouldn't worry about it. I, I really have to say, and I, and I've made this comment uh, several, several times now. But the, you guys, CNN, both radio and TV, you all really do have it buttoned up. I I'll talk for just a second, and then we'll move on. But um, I don't know whether, and it's certainly none of my business, but I don't know whether at some point somebody at CNN and the organization kind of got everybody in a room and said, uh, like, look, we, we really need to, uh, you know, we really need to do something to, to re because, you know, there's a lot of competition for those news eyeballs right. and, and, you know, news listeners. Right. And there was, rightly or wrongly, there was a perception, I think, for a while that CNN maybe uh, listed a bit to the left. Yeah. Or that maybe it wasn't, um, you know, you know the, because Fox News, I think, drilled into the people's heads so much of the liberal media agenda yeah. or whatever. And I think CNN, which has always been a great network, I think they really redoubled their efforts to, to really be the, the, the top game in town and to really be the gold standard. And I think, uh, especially in terms of this election cycle, just the news coverage on CNN has been absolutely spectacular, and it's been it's been objective, it's been uh, analytical in the best way, it's been entertaining, it's been everything. So you, I have no, hey, thanks. I have not one shred of a doubt. You guys are going to do great. Awesome. Well, you know, I was leery coming to CNN for those reasons, and I, yeah, it's it's been great. It's we've been really lucky. Um, we worked really hard too, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't even I don't know where we where to start. I know yet. there's so much so much to talk about. Can um, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. What am I even supposed to believe now in terms of polls? 
I mean, yeah. really, I, and I know right. that we've asked variations on the same question, but I, right. I just don't even know. Do, dumb right. question. Do polls even mean anything? Are they even trustworthy at this point? You know, I had the same question yesterday, so this is perfect timing. And there is actually, there's been, uh, there's one group that studies presidential polls to see how accurate they are, but they generally study the poll immediately before the election, you know, the closest polling to right. the election. And they find that in general, those polls have about a one to two percent, that they're off by just one or two percent, that they're, that they're actually very close to what happens in the election. Every now and then there's an outliner, but outlier, but even those are just off by, you know, five percent. Of course, that's a big deal, you know, in very close elections, but, but, but they actually get within one or two points of the results. Now, but I'm with you. Yesterday we had the Associated Press come out with a poll saying Obama 44, McCain 43, and then CNN's, uh, our poll of polls show Obama generally up by five or six, sometimes seven, uh, but, but five and above. And, you know, I, I have no idea. I think, I, doesn't it feel to you like most people do have their minds made up I, at this point? Uh, well, here's the thing. The undecided voters, and I'd be, uh, Jeff, uh, there's a blogger named Jeff Romanesco who, who had written something about this the other day, but the, the undecided voters to me are like that 14% of America that believes we're on the right track. Because you hear yeah, about, you know, right. and eight, there are, there is something, yeah, I think, like, yeah, you're right. Like, That's you find me somebody right now that feels like we're on the right track. I really, I want names. Who feels like <laughs> this country is on the right track? Um, so that with the, I feel like we are just, it is just such a game of inches at this point. It, it, mm-hmm. We have hardened our positions on either side, the 48% and 48%, and then there's this like weird undecided crowd of nitwits in the middle who just, you know, I just don't know. Everything seems so similar, and they can't quite make up their minds. So they're just fighting just just over crumbs at this point, but... I, uh, but Joe Klein um, writes for Time Magazine uh, right now. He said something interesting on Anderson Cooper's show last night. He said that, and I don't know where he got this, but Joe Klein said that Barack Obama's own campaign has quote private polling info that shows it much closer than the rest of the polls do. And I don't know if that's true or if that's a little bit of managing expectations, as they say. Or if that, I mean, I don't even know how you would get that information. It's just, I, I... Well, I believe, I believe John Klein was certainly told that. I don't, you know, who knows what, um, I, I, it seems to me, I don't know if that, it could, but, but I think when you're talking about winning or losing, that, that's a strange expectation to, you know, right. that, I'm not sure how that would benefit. That doesn't surprise well, me at all. And I think the McCain camp is seeing the same thing. They must just want to keep up the pressure, though, so that nobody yeah. says, well, it's in the bag. I can just stay home and sleep in. You know, it all depends on who is your sample pool. Who do you think... Uh, the voters are going to be, and you know, we talked about this yesterday. You know, we ask, are you likely to vote? And we, you know, take people who say yes. But inside those campaigns, they're looking at demographics and who they expect to turn out, and 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 you know, who knows how how they're weighting those groups. So maybe they're uh, they expect they are sort of undercounting, or they think accurately counting young people, undercounting other groups, overcounting others. It, you know, it's impossible to say. What, in your objective political uh, assessment, what can John McCain do in this next 13 days, or however long it is, to to close this up? What, if you were John McCain's strategist, just looking at this sort of in a bloodless fashion, what what does that guy need to do right now to really to really close the deal with with America? Yeah, I I think I think he's got uh, let's say another five days with Joe the plumber. You know, I don't I don't think he can keep that up for the next week unless he. He's got to take that to a different level. If, if I mean, it's the it's a good idea and it is helping him. I think no doubt about it. But I think he's got to and he's got to keep this message that that I care more about the working man than Barack Obama, which is an amazing message considering when you look at their tax plans. Of course, right. 
Right. You know, Barack Obama's does help uh, the lower middle classes more. But but I think that that message is resonating. I think he's got to keep up with this idea that uh, that Barack Obama uh, wants to take stuff from you and, and use it however he wants. That and, should totally be his campaign. Barack Obama's going to come take your stuff. Right. Right. Well, that basically is his campaign right now. And, you know, to me, it's interesting to me how the media is covering that because I think I think the media is um, – rightly incredulous of this idea that Barack Obama is a socialist. But I think under that, there is a very serious issue in America, a, a divide that McCain, I, I don't know how consciously he's tapped into this, but I think there are many people in America who uh, are just getting by, and nonetheless, they they don't want to tax their hopes of being millionaires. Well, because in America, as, as Jed Bartlett once said, uh, everybody believes that they're going to make it someday, and right. they don't want to set they don't want right. to set future penalties for themselves. That's what it is, and I think I think the Obama campaign doesn't get that yet. I think they just see this as a, a complete misunderstanding, a smear campaign that that has no bearing on reality. Right. And I think they have yet to really respond to this idea that uh, we don't want you. We, we think you're taxing the American dream. He needs to respond and say, No, I'm trying to help you get to the American dream. Uh, you know, that's debatable, but, but I, I think they aren't taking it seriously enough yet. And, you know, the 13 days is still enough time to sort of change the game, depending on, on what happens. But, you know, uh, you know, for McCain, the days are going by too quickly, and for, you know, Obama too slowly, I think, at this point. Um, I mean, it does come down to states. McCain's got a really, he's got a hunker down in Pennsylvania and Florida and Ohio. That, that, I mean, the truth is that it comes down to geography. And that actually leads me to two quick things here before we wrap it up. One is, do you see the possibility of... It being a big electoral win for Obama, but a very, very, very close popular vote. Ooh, that's an interesting po po possibility. Uh, I think it made me stutter. It was so interesting. Well, um, I'm just, you know. Uh, I, just... I think, you know, I've got to think about that. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. All right. And finally, uh, this is really sort of a more broad, open-ended sort of navel-gazing thing. But we've had, so what, in Oregon, we've already voted. Uh, we're voting now. At my ba Hold on. Here's that's my ballot right there. Hey. Hey, um, availing myself of the uh, election uh, process. Did have you done your 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 uh, your polling, your your exit polling? Uh, we have been exit polling. We're doing about a minute or two every day where we just do nothing but open calls for people who have already voted. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Um, so uh, so we've already voted. You know, they started voting in Florida, I guess, and they voted like nine years ago in Ohio, apparently. So an interesting thing to ponder is how far back. Are they going to be able to push the start date for voting before one right. of the parties starts to scream about it? In Don't other you words, wonder, right. it, could they just could some state could Ohio just say, look, as soon as both parties <laughs> have voted to affirm and solidify their nominee, yeah. we're going to let people vote. And and who will be the first party to scream about that? That's interesting. You know, I told you Virginia started September 19th. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. At, at some point, one of the parties is going to say enough. This is going to be like the primaries. They're going to say you can't do it any earlier. You have to stop. Yeah, I, sure. I wouldn't be surprised. I think the next, you know, it, you know, politicians always, you know, react just within the first 30 days, and then after that they forget about right. crises. But there's a real chance that this next Congress could significantly change uh, the election process. Certainly the Democrats and Republicans within their own parties um, are going to have to look at how they did things this time around. Best country ever. All right. The best country ever. All right. Lisa Desjardins, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Wonderful. Excellent. All right, and in just moments, we'll get to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. He'll be joining us. A lot of email over there. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a lot of them. I'm feeling a lot better because I am getting a lot from people who have, you know, normal cars who also have to um, experience mice in their car. And a lot of people are saying that it is probably a, a mouse and not a rat because the rat would have eaten the whole box. And hey, it's that's just true. Like, it's a little, it was just a little 
like probably a hole like that big. And a rat would be more destructive. They're generally a more. I'm so scared to open my trunk. Yeah, they're more of a they're a more violent creature than mice are. And that's true, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, rats. Are, I think one scolding one from some jerk who's just like, Sarah, what's going on with your life that you don't understand that you don't notice a live animal in your car? I'm like, okay, whatever, friend. Yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> type away. That means you drive too much. <laughs> type type all you want if it makes you feel better. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Um. Well, Sarah's car is probably full of mice. Ew. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So, you know, so it's all relative. I guess it uh, depends on who you are. Uh, how are things in the big city? They're good. We have mice here. I lived with mice in my apartment uh, from time to time up until August. Well, that was, I mean, it, I don't know if it still is, but for a long time, you know, and, oh, I'm sorry, let me interrupt myself. I had a great joke I was going to make with Lisa Desjardins just a few moments ago, and I forgot to make it. I'll, I'll, not to make you sound like a... The B team here. It was a joke that I wrote down for her, but I'll, I'll tell it to you, and then I'll tell it to her later. So put this right here. Um, uh, but it was a running joke for a long time in, in New York that, that you mean, it was rats the size of cars or whatever. But, I mean, is it still – was that ever really the case? And if so, did that ever get eradicated? I mean, you heard so much about oh. rats in New York. Oh, oh, no. I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, they multiply so fast, it's an impossible task to completely eradicate my, uh, rats from uh, New York City. It's uh, – and it's quite scary if you walk around some areas uh, late at night. On my walk home from the subway, there's this one building that's been empty for a very long time. And, and you know, I don't know, it's, it's, it's going to be developed into something. But in the meanwhile, it just sits there empty. And uh, the building inspectors have tried to get in there for a while. There's obviously been a lot of complaints because there's notices all over the building. Mm-hmm. But, man, when the weather's warm, they come out from the basement of that building. And I kid, they're like, you know... Young cats, Ugh. the size of young cats. Oh, that's freaky. And is there a Department of Rodent Control or something in New York? Uh, it's Well, here's the problem in New York, and I know this is not what we were going to talk about, but no, that's fine. There, there's supposed to be an, an, there's an interagency challenge to fighting the rat problem in New York. You know, you make the call, and it goes uh, initially to the health department, but uh, then, then it gets divvied up, you know, according to which, you know, whose jurisdiction the building is or location is, and, and so... You never quite get everybody on the same page at the same time. If the buildings department goes in and, and like, lays traps and poison for rats, then the rats go into the sewers. And if the guys aren't doing the same thing in the sewers at the same time, then the rats survive. But then if they do the sewers in the building, then they say, okay, we'll go into the subway and the MTA. You know, so there's no concerted effort to, like, lay down these traps and, and poison all at the same time. It's impossible to get all these agencies you know, working together. And meanwhile, the rats are working together. That's the creepy part. You know, while humans can't quite get their act together enough to exterminate them, the rats are aligning. Yeah, and it's really uh, annoying because it doesn't have to be. Right. Well, it, it, I, I heard somebody, when I was a kid, I forget who this was, some guy, some scientist guy, uh, made some statement. I was watching PBS or something, some science program. This guy made a statement that has always stayed with me. He said that, you know, what humans don't really realize or take into consideration and what other animals are on some instinctual level aware of is that at every single moment of every single day, forever, every living thing on Earth is doing its very best to fight its way, kill its way to the top of the food chain. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, every plant, every bug, every insect, every fish, every rat, every, every creature on Earth is trying to make its way to the top to be the apex predator. 
And that goes for rats. And, I mean, it's just a constant war out there between all forms of life. And, you know, so they are, and they're evil, by the way. Rats, here's a little final fun fact. Uh, I think other than humans, and I do believe a certain kind of orangutan, rats are, in fact, the only mammal uh, known to kill purely for sport. There you go. Really? They, they just, uh, I saw a, a thing on the Discovery Channel about this one time, about, I, I forget what it's called. It was called, like, Born to Kill or something. But, it, you know, one of those shows with a title like that. But it was, you know, it was about, it was about the um, the survival instinct and the aggression instinct, instinct in mammals. Mammals, And they said uh, they said that rats were one of the only, one of only three mammals. Humans, there was a type of orangutan, and then rats that actually killed just for the fun. It. Just, you know, for no real reason. Like, they weren't threatened, didn't need food, nobody was encroaching on their territory. They just kill when they get bored. So Yet, yet one more reason to kill a rat anytime you see one. That's what I'm saying, because they are, uh, they're from a very bad place. Uh, it, well, just speaking of a very bad place, so... This is right here. Another disastrous day for the financial world. Let me just ask you this, though. Are some of these swings up huge and then down huge? Is this because um, the the financial situation has created this constant, what am I trying to say, this push-pull dynamic between buying and selling and buying and selling? In other words, a lot of people are like, look, it's low, I'm going to buy. And other guys are like, hey, somebody's buying, I'm going to sell. Is that kind of what's causing this? That is exactly what's going on, a big chunk of what's going on right now. People who are nervous about the market, when the, when the Dow makes one of these gigantic leaps into positive territory, they say, you know what, I'm really uncertain about the market right now, and I have a lot invested. Let me sell off some of my assets now while I can make a profit and uh, you know, curb some of my losses here. And then a, a lot of people do that, and then, uh, and then it drops and a lot. And then the bargain hunters come in and say, hey, I can pick up a lot of blue-chip stocks here at bargain basement prices. So it keeps going back and forth. Uh, all right. Well, I am not – at this point, I guess follow-up questions would just be, just be more, more – digging more gold out of the same horrible, depressing mine. Um, so I will skip to the bottom of the page, and here's the joke I was going to say. You've been following this thing with Sarah Palin um, yeah. and the, the clothing that apparently oh, yeah. was, uh, you know, the 150 grand or whatever they spent at Saks Fifth Avenue or something. Um, so I have a great headline for this. The headline would be, the governor has new clothes, like the emperor has no clothes. Uh-huh. Never mind. It's not, I guess it's not that funny. Never mind. It seemed funny last night at 11.41 p.m. when I made a note of my BlackBerry about it. Well, let's all pretend that went over. It could work. We're just going to pretend it went over better than it did. Okay. Are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, no, I actually got to do like a half a day because I have to travel down to Philly. All right. So uh, you get to travel down to Philly. Yes. You are. You are. You will receive the great gift of a trip to the city of brotherly love. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, we'll travel safe. We'll talk to you soon, sir. See you. There I go. Bye. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. All right. Lots of helpful advice, though. People saying it's happened to me. I have a new car. It was also filled with rats. No, a lot of people. It's funny because the people who are writing me also have. A lot of them have really nice cars. Right. Well, I mean, but you know, cars. It's not. I mean, it just is a bunch of stuff that's put together. I mean, it isn't like a. You know, it's not a solid object. So. Anything could be, you know, but that, and rats or, or mice, I think somebody said. There we go. Uh, it's rodents. This is a creepy phrase. You know, rodents have a skeletal structure that collapses. That's how they can get under doors, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because their skeleton is much more, they have a lot of whatever point of connection. So their skeleton can actually, is much more flexible. So that's why they can flatten themselves. Okay. You know, because mice, uh, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because mice can flatten themselves to, to get, get under underneath doors. doors. Yeah. That's how, because their skeleton kind of goes. Even their skulls? Uh, I don't know, actually. 
I don't know. That's freaking me out just to think about it. See, that's what I'm saying. We just we're so <laughs> so there's skulls flying. Who are we? So far in over our heads right, right so now. Are we going to do this? Are, are we should take a break. Are we going to do it during the break? Should we do it during the break? Okay, let's do it during the break. Richie, hold on. Richie, do you have your camera like ready? All right, so we're going to go uh, check Sarah's car's trunk during the break and see if it's uh, filled with mice or rats or some oh, such. Oh, God. Or that thing that took John Lee. All right. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth, an update on the state of Sarah's trunk. Uh, oh, sorry, that was supposed to be from the... Uh, Ignore it. Uh, and uh, anyway, later on, Dorothy Carcassari, brand new Striper. Mm -hmm. Double Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Of Sarah's car. That was creepy. So, by the way, there's sort of the ten of us. So Sarah and Richie and I get the camera. I don't want this to be like a party out there. You kind of forget that you're on the radio sometimes. <laughs> people are listening. So we got to the parking lot, and there's like nine other uh, people from CBS Radio standing out there waiting to see us open the trunk for like a, the horde of rodents to jump out. We're all standing around like pussies, and Richie's pointing the camera at the trunk. Sarah opens the trunk. Which, don't feel bad because it looks a lot like the trunk of my car. There's oh, stuff... no, I, I just have tossed things in there from, like, years ago. There are things in, in the trunk of my car, not unlike you, that uh, that I put in the trunk after we got fired at Intercom. And I was like, I'll clean up my desk, I'll put it in the trunk, I'll take it in later. That never happened. Mm -hmm. But there are things back there you could rewrap and give out for Christmas gifts. Exactly. Like the George Foreman grill. There's uh, some coffee cups, some old uh -huh. fan 1080 cups. And a hubcap. And a hubcap, yes. And a box of Captain Crunch. Yes, and a, and a lost thing that uh, a listener bought me a while ago that I haven't taken out of it yet. So we're kind of so Big Jim uh, from KUFO's got this huge oversized golf club thing, and we're kind of poking around in the trunk just now. Richie's filming it, uh, we're looking around, seeing what's in there. There's rodent droppings of some kind, and then we all kind of freak out because we see we think we see something scurrying, and I think I did. And here's why I think we did see something scurry because Sarah at one point. <sighs> We sort of gently, very carefully, very sort of skittishly moving things around the trunk of her car just now during the break. And you pull up a big blanket, and the blanket has massive holes chewed in it. I mean, it the missing, size of your hand. It is missing pieces of it. Yeah. And those pieces have been taken from the blanket and put elsewhere in my car, and I have not seen them in my seat, which means it's probably wedged between my seat and my trunk. <laughs> yeah. Which Oh, my God. It took chunks of my blanket. Yeah. Yes, it did, Sarah. Those are sharp teeth. All right. You know that uh, apparently... So how are we, I'm, I'm going to have to take off my back seat. You're going to have to... Yeah, you'll have to take out the back seat. You'll have to empty out your trunk. You, you will have to empty your trunk of everything. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. I, there's a panel underneath it, too. Yes, and you have to pull up that panel where the spare tire or whatever yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, because there's a little pocket where the dead yes. the tire is. Where the tire used to be. Before it was destroyed by mice or rats or both. Maybe they're working together. All right. This is like how Laura and I had those weird uh, flies in the kitchen, and we had to empty out the cupboard and the pantry and the larder and the whatever, and just completely just hose the whole thing out and spray it out, which didn't work, by the way. So now, this is so gross, now in our kitchen, not only do we have those little flies, but now there's actually like some of the little like worm larva things 
that we find occasionally, like on the wall of the kitchen. Ew. So, well, I was talking about those flies that everybody was People were coming going, you can never get rid of them. You'll, they're, they're there. You can't. You spray and they keep coming. You know, there's no getting those flies out of your kitchen. So there's fewer of them, but they're still there. Um, How do you even go about, do you, can you just kind of go to a car place and be like, hey, can you take off my seat? You're going to need to clean out the trunk, first of all, because they won't do that for you. But I take all, even if it's just a pile in, a, in your garage or just in a storeroom, clean out your trunk, and then you'll need to go to, like, a, a place that does detailing, probably, and just say, well, I need my car detailed, and by the way, if you can just sort of vacuum out the trunk area, <laughs> that'd be great. But if you want him to take out the whole seat, I think you'll have to go to a different Well, my buddy kind of Jay works for, uh, um, he does auto body work, so maybe well, yeah, he, he, can, he can just take it off. But then if you want a thorough cleaning, just go to some place and tell them you want the car detailed, and you'll have to pay, like, for the full service, but they'll clean every single square inch of that car um, thoroughly. So it costs a little bit, and it takes forever. It takes hours. But uh, yeah. but you're, that's what I, I do, like, you know, once a year. So, um, but your car's also, like, nice and new. Yeah, that's going to say, the only reason I do it now, and actually once a year is a little overstaying. I think I did it last January, uh, which was January 2007. But it's great, it's great, but then, of course, but I'm like you. You, just, you, you know, you and I are similar again in this regard, that... I'll clean the car, the house, the whatever, and go, now I'm going to keep it clean forever. forever. And then it never happens. I mean, I'm just, it's like an addict, you know? You're clean for like a week and a half, and then you're back on the junk. Uh, Tim Riley joins us in just one moment from the Ministry of Truth. I, somebody just sent this to me, uh, so I haven't had time to print it out, but I, uh, I have a little bit of, uh, I have a little bit of breaking news. Let's just pick one of our random, uh, uh Phoenix police on Thursday, today, formally presented the Maricopa County Attorney's Office with the investigation into the death seven years ago of a uh, Awataki Foothills man whose girlfriend, they believe, called a national talk radio show, the Tom Likas show, and bragged that she got away with murder. Uh, Phoenix Police uh, Sergeant Joel Tranter also named the girlfriend, Megan Suzanne Vice of El Mirage, as the suspect in the case. Uh, they are seeking charges of first-degree murder and obstructing a criminal investigation for filing a false police report. Two years ago, a woman claiming to be the dead man's girlfriend said on a national radio show, the Tom Likas show, that she killed him, but had convinced police it was a suicide. Uh, now listen to this. Detectives continued to work on the case that drew attention November 3, 2006, when the nationally syndicated Tom Likas show took a call on his show live from a woman claiming she got away with murder. And, of course, uh, long, he was here. Yeah, long-time listeners will know. I guess they have, that is in, in fact, I got, we got pictures of him in my office doing that show. That was when he was live at Barracuda here doing a broadcast from Portland. I remember Portland. when that was happening. That was nuts. I remember standing there by the side of the stage watching him take the call and then talking to him backstage about it. And just he was it was just an amazing moment. So that was actually when Likas was here live in Portland. He took that call. So Tom will be talking about that this afternoon. So be listening to the Tom Likas show today at three o'clock. Uh, he will undoubtedly uh, lead with that story. So uh, again, they are uh, seeking first degree murder charges uh, against uh, the woman he now refers to as uh, Awataki Sue. So all right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM nine seventy, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Cleveland High School was briefly locked down this morning during a stolen car suspect chase. Officers were called to a burglary at Northeast 142nd when they saw a man run from a house and take off in a stolen white Ford pickup. The suspect swerved around the police car at one point, continuing downtown on Southeast Powell. The track was later spotted on Southeast Tibbetts. Officers said the nearby school was put in lockdown until the suspect was found. 
and taken into custody. An 18-year-old man accused of filing, uh, firing bullets into a Gresham home and grazing a toddler told police he did so because someone dared him to do that. The toddler was sleeping in the crib when the bullet whizzed by his face. Toddler. I barely knew her. They say uh, Angel Munoz claimed he fired into the house on a dare from his friends and knew somebody could possibly get hurt. The bullet tore through the window frame, piercing Weston's playpen, and then grazed the toddler's face as he slept. Mm. So they arrested 18-year-old Angel Munoz. He told detectives he took a 22 from a friend's apartment, and he was walking along Southeast Powell when he fired three times into the victim's residence. He faces several charges, including assault with a firearm, the unlawful use of a firearm, and recklessly endangering another person. The baby's going to be fine. The search resumes for two fishermen missing after their Seattle-based fishing processing boat, the Katmai, went down at Alaska's Bering Sea, killing five members. Among the crew are those from Oregon, Washington, Alaska. No names yet. The four survivors were discovered on a raft near the Michika Pass that links the Barren Sea of the Pacific Ocean, 1,400 miles southwest of Anchorage. city of Portland is holding the annual Turkey Swim in November. From November 1st through the 22nd, Portland Public Swimming Pools will be handling out an entry form for each paid admission to their aquatics program, like Lap Swim. On November 23rd, each of the five public pools will draw a name for a free frozen turkey. Participating pools include the Buckman, Columbia, Dishman, Mount Scott, and Southwest. Sandy counselors this week made their city the first in Oregon to ban the sale of novelty lighters. These lighters are designed to look like animals, trucks, and toys. Firefighters and others warn that children are drawn to them, and yes, they do start fires. Who makes a lighter that looks like... Look, I'm all for the free market system. But it really does prompt the question, who makes a cigarette lighter that looks like a toy? Probably the red Chinese. That's just that's just stupid. That's like that uh, that's like that old SNL sketch where Dan Aykroyd is the irresponsible toy manufacturer uh-huh. and he was just like, What you got here is your bag of glass. The kids love this. All right. A fire-creating device that looks like a toy. Uh-huh. All right. Why not pick one up today? So they've been banned just about every place except for here. All right. Drivers got a welcome surprise in Tigard after a gas station gave away $40 gift cards. Well, you know, they need uh, more things in Tigard, Tim. They do. Or, uh... Employees at the Jackson Shell gas station on Bull Mountain Road were giving away the cards between 7 and 9. They're all gone. It's part of a promotion involving CNN. The first 100 people to arrive got the free gas cards to spend on gas. The event is called Pump Up the Vote, promoting election coverage on CNN. <laughs> okay. You'll love this next story. Especially if you get satellite TV. A mom from Belfair, Washington, who ordered satellite television, is upset over the price she's paying. But it's not the money that she's mad about. Instead, it's a yard full of trees mistakenly chopped down that has Jenny Goose fuming. The result is a messy mistake in the middle of her rural paradise. She moved out there for the trees after being a city slicker for so long. When ordering satellite TV for her son's rec room, Mrs. Goose said she knew she'd lose trees to get access to the channels, but never imagined how many. We have 44 trees down. (laughs) It just makes me sick. Uh, Mrs. Goose and her neighbor used a chainsaw to chop uh, down the trees that installers marked. When the company sent out a senior technician, Goose said uh, she couldn't believe her eyes. He basically said, oh, man, what did they do? Wait, I'm, I'm confused. She cut down 
Apparently, the technicians marked these trees to be chopped down, but so she, she and her friend did it. But she did it herself. That's correct, yes. Well, why is she... I'm just going on the facts here in the story. Mm-hmm. Why didn't she just say no? In other words, why did she chop down 44 trees and then complain about it? I don't know. Maybe it was free installation. But, I mean, did they come out and they mark... Did they mark 44 trees to be cut down? Yes. And she said 22 of them didn't need to come down. It seems like she might have brought that up to them before, you know, taking a chainsaw to them. Uh Uh-huh. You can't really fix that after the fact. No. But this story gets better. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Goose said the technician told her that the direct TV dish was also placed on the wrong side of the deck, facing the wrong satellite. We didn't want foreign language satellite, and those trees didn't have to come down after all. Red paint now marks the stumps of 22 trees that mistakenly came down, and Mrs. Goose had to chop another 10 to finally get a signal. Bottom line is I want it cleaned up, and I want the trees paid for. What What kind of woman, What is Mrs. Goose a stout-looking woman? Because I'm trying to picture a have, woman out there chopping I, I down 10 additional trees. With all the trees chopped down. I mean, Mrs. Goose and apparently her sturdy next-door neighbor... Cut down 22 trees, and then when that wasn't enough, Mrs. Goose, by herself, went out there and cut down 10, chopped down 10 more trees. Uh-huh. I'm guessing she's a, uh, I'm guessing she's a brick wall. So an arborist had told Mrs. Goose it's going to cost $99,000 to transport <laughs> and replace her once tall trees. Removing the stumps of the old trees is going to cost another $5,000. $104,000. All to get some satellite TV she can't watch because it's in a foreign language. Uh-huh. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, well... It seems like maybe next time, you know, they have that feeling, measure measure twice, cut once. Well, uh, apparently she's satisfied now because uh, Mrs. Goose is the first to admit she loves having more channels, but not at the expense of so many trees. I just don't want this Al Jazeera. All right. Well, okay. Seems like maybe a follow-up call might have been in order before you went out there and started taking a whacker to all of the uh, trees, but what do I know? Okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I was going to say you're missing a couple of uh, animals from the animal kingdom. Uh Lions and hyenas kill for sport. So what am I thinking of? Maybe because somebody else said that mink kill for sport as well. So maybe I'm thinking of some other behavior that only three animals do. So lions kill for sport as well? Yeah, yeah. Lions and hyenas, are actually, they can't stand each other, and they will kill at the uh, any opportunity they can. They will kill each other. So it's like a Jets and Sharks kind of a thing. There you go. Oh, all right. Hy- hyena, I can see hyenas being evil. Don't they seem evil? And jackals. Jackals seem evil, too. I don't know why. They just seem like a creature that has it in for you. All right. Duly noted. Thank you, sir. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Um, I just wanted to call in with the correct pronunciation for Awatuki, not Awatuki. What did did I say? You said Awatuki. And it's Tuki. Tuki. Okay, Tuki. Got it. All right. Excellent. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, that was a short live. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey. I just wanted to give Sarah and you, actually, a heads up that if you start going and tearing apart her trunk and all that, you might want to wear some kind of, uh, like, mask over your face because there's all kinds of really scary bacteria in uh, the rat poo. Oh, and in other words, if you're handling rat droppings, it may contain hantavirus. Yeah, I, I think the one that I'm thinking of, and this might be completely off base, so I think it's uh, like Tryptococcus or something like that, and it can kill you. Okay, uh, but it's all. But you know, at least you're dying of something funny then. All right, Tryptococcus. There's. I don't know. I'm not even going to make a joke. But all right, excellent. So rubber gloves uh, on the hands when when the rooting through piles of rat feces. Not so much the hands as the face, because uh, oh, you know, if you if it. Oh, if you inhale it. Yeah. Yeah, you inhale it. So, like, if it's dried up or whatever, and you shift something and it goes into the particles of the air and you breathe it in, 
That's bad. All right. So there you go. So it's the Donnie Darko thing. Uh, and then also, I think Hantavirus was that thing that was killing people in New Mexico or something a few years back, and that was that was rat stuff. People were inhaling little bits of rat leavings, and then, yeah, it goes right in your lungs, and then you're dead. All right. Duly yes, noted. That, I think that was also in their water. Oh, right. I was thinking. Thank you for the warning, sir. Yep. All right. Thank you. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, tonight we've all been waiting for It's the Hip Hop Awards on the Bet Channel. Uh, does anybody, or is anyone familiar with all these performers? Uh, Joe Birdman and Rick Ross are nominated for I'm So Hood. And uh, the Plies are uh, nominated for Busted Baby. Shanty Lowe is nominated for Day No, among others. Any questions on the Hip Hop Awards, or should I move along? Oh, I think you've, I think you've covered it with a. Uh... I think you've covered it and given us all the information we need, Tim. All right. Now let's move on, then. Well, Salem Palin's fashions are worth it. Yes, Jane the Plumber probably can't afford the $150 shopping spree at Newman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, Barty's, and Bloomingdale's. But professional stylists and image consultants say it's money worth spent for Sarah Dillon. They reported that they were... Did I say Sarah Dillon? I yes. said Sarah Palin. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm, no. I'm, I'm still thinking about the rats in the trunk. I'm I sorry. No, okay. Well, let's think about Sarah Palin's rats in her trunk. Uh, it's been reported that $150,000 worth of clothing and accessories for Palin and her family. Now it's saying it, it went to her family, too, which they didn't say yesterday. Uh, I heard that they was, it was buying a bunch of clothes for that weird douchebag husband of hers. Okay. I'm looking for the weird douchebag husband in here. I don't see it in the story. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. Uh, those responsible for her image faced a unique challenge in the early days of the McCain Palin ticket. How to introduce a virtual unknown to self-proclaimed hunky mom, hunky mom, I should, hunky mom, and a down-to-earth girl next door and a maverick preparing to become the leader of the free world. Well, they've got that thing of trying to make her hot, but trying to keep her relatable as well, which I guess has got to be that's the challenge with her, right? And I and I don't really know how clothing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm you know I can't pick up anything even for my own self to wear. But with Sarah Palin, they're trying to make her look. Relatable to the average, you know, tool, but then they're trying to make her look, I mean, sexy because that's because they know that's part of her appeal is that she's very photogenic and she looks good on camera and whatever. So, but this sort of brings up that was it we were having the discussion, but we were talking about like um, we were talking. I can relate this to whores. This I can tie this into hookers as I can with almost everything. Remember we had that discussion one time about what's the difference? This sounds like a setup to a joke, but what's the difference between a three thousand dollar whore and like a fifty thousand? Because then we had Elliot Spitzer story, and he was blowing like ten grand a night on hookers. And I said, well, what is the difference between a ten thousand dollar hooker and like a three thousand dollar hooker? And there really is no point. It's just because you want to show that you got ten grand that they'll throw down on some slut. Um, so, my, but just like haircuts, when they talk about Bill Clinton getting, you know, like a five hundred dollar haircut, and there can't be, and there's got to be a dollar figure. At which it's a point of diminishing returns. In other words, a $5 haircut is probably different than a $30 haircut. You remember John Edwards' $400 haircut. I do indeed. So a $5 haircut and a $30 haircut, I can see the difference. A $100 haircut and a $500 haircut, I would say there's probably no difference at all. I mean, am I wrong about that? Would you agree? Yes. That once you, like for a haircut, let's say, once you pass $100 just for a haircut... There's no, you're not getting anything else by paying more. There's going to be no discernible advantage there. So my question about Sarah Palin is, when they were said, because I think they dropped like 30 grand or something at uh, at Saks Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. So this is a really dumb question. When you're spending 30 grand on clothing, are you really getting? I, I, I mean, is there any anything that you're getting there that you couldn't get somewhere else for like a fifth of that? Oh, I see what you mean. But, I mean, that's it because I don't know anything about clothing. You guys are the clothing people, so I'm asking, that's why I'm asking. I mean, is there any, 
Like, is there any real reason to be spending thirty grand on clothing at Neiman Marcus or whatever it is? I wouldn't think so. No. I mean, so that... Unless you're like a total label whore and that's all that's, that matters. See, that's my thing. I, I mean, there are some department stores that have higher quality clothes than others. But I mean, but, but at that point, you, that really is simply a status purchase when you reach that kind of money. Yes. So that's the weird thing about it. That's why it, it surprises me that they would do it, because they're so into managing her image and trying to make her relatable, uh, you know, like uh, just some, uh, you know, to like some, some you know, to, to Joe 40 ounce or whatever. So that's the, that's the sort of funny thing about the story. Anyway, okay. So it's estimated that Michelle Obama's usual campaign outfits are worth about $2,000 each. Barack Obama accepted the Democratic presidential nomination in a custom-made Hart Max suit. And the Chicago Sun-Times says he bought five more cents. Retail price, $1,500 each. Well worth it. Those nice-looking suits. Here we go. Has anybody mentioned the very real possibility of hantavirus? It's carried in rodent droppings. Sarah, you've been coughing and your throat's been sore. Those are two of the first symptoms. All of a sudden, I have a runny nose. Oh, mm. my God. Wait a minute. I'm dizzy. Oh, hold on. I can't feel my legs. Um, let's see. Oh, by so the way. Specifically, rat? Because what if they're mice? Well, rodents. The same thing? Rodent yeah, in general? Members of the rodent family. Um, so, uh, so we're probably all dying right now. Hey, my wife's got that weird ch- uh, pain in her chest. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh, let's see. It, more. I made this note to myself last night. It, it really is no observation. It's just, uh... This is just a fact. Do you see the you see what McCain and Sarah Palin's new entrance song is now when they take the stage? No. Anybody? You want to guess? It's the new song. Whenever Sarah Palin, because the, and by the way, have you seen them introduced in the last few days when they go on stage? No, is it like a, like a WWF? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. No, there. Last night I was watching them in uh, wherever they were, Lick Bucket, Ohio, or whatever they were. You know. And the guy was like, ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome John McCain and Sarah Palin? You know, and he was really just overselling it. Have you expected The Undertaker to sort of uh, run onto the stage at some point? Sarah Palin and John McCain now taking the stage to... Final Countdown? No, close. You're in the same general, same basic genre, though. Mm. You want to guess? I know we're all terrible at guessing here. Do you want to guess or should I just tell you? I, I think I know, so you ought to tell us. Sarah? It's going to drive me crazy. No, yeah, I just peeked at Final Countdown. I don't know. Eye of the Tiger. Oh, God. That is so bad. You need to stop talking. Yeah. Dun, dun. And then, so the song is playing. But do they wait until, like, the music, like, the dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so it's dun, 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 You know, and it's all, like, kicking in, and it's got the momentum. And so, but then there's the guy. I swear to God, this was on CNN television last night. They were getting off the plane or whatever, and then they go to the backstage, and there's that. You know, the beginning of Eye of the Tiger, where it's all... And the announcer guy says, you know, Rustwater, Ohio, will you please put your hands together out of a mouth, you palin. And he really is just delivering it like he's like uh, like Hulk Hogan is about to, uh, to come into the ring. So it's just, it's glorious and stupid. Here's Tim Riley. That's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> It is so idiocracy. It's just, it's hilarious well, no, how much this, it's paralleling. This whole thing is idiocracy. I and mean, because, we are catering to the lowest possible denominator. And that's just it. But plus the fact, you know, that the, the president was a WWF guy in idiocracy. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What is it's that guy's name? It's ridiculous. Uh, what's his name? It's Camacho oh. something or other? What is his name? What's the wrestler's name in idiocracy? Dude, I don't know. We have to play a clip from that today. Um, okay, we'll play it into the break. I've got the... Uh, the one at the end. I've got the. the final, that is so great. I've got the outro to Idiocracy. We'll play it under the break. But but you're right, Tim. I mean, it really is sad. But at the same time, it's like, 
All you he's going to talk about is Joe the Plumber for the next two weeks. Badly. Can you imagine any other country being run like no, that? No. That's, see, that's the thing. <laughs> that's like... Well, well they... they... Send all their stupid people here. That's the problem. I, I like how much fun would we be making fun of a different country if they were doing the same thing? I'm trying to imagine that taking place in some other country. I am trying to imagine no, people in other countries read. I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like, you know, like in England or whatever. That's you know, what I keep picturing England like this this what freak that? show that's our country. Like, imagine that happening over there. I'm trying to picture Gordon Brown. Uh, you know, just you know. Well, Bush could never, I, I mean, how many presidents could survive, like, the pre- Prime Minister's question time every week, like they have over there? Oh, that question they, time? They a- answer actual questions. That is the best thing I've ever seen, yeah. by the way. I, I mean, remember, that is real democracy. I stumbled across the Prime Minister question time on C-SPAN when I was about 16, and I was just transfixed by that. Um, one of my friends in high school, his dad was British, and so his dad would always watch it whenever it was on the studio. He was like, oh, no, we've got to watch Question Time tonight. It's on the telly or whatever. And so we would all sit there, and if I was over, we'd, we, his dad would turn it on. And um, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I don't know who it was at that time. It wouldn't have been Tony Blair. It would have been... Um, John Major? Yeah, it was John Major. And and, and John Major is such a, t- such a tight ass. You well, could, I think he was a high school dropout. You could, really? Yeah. Literally? Mm-hmm. But John Major would get up there, and his upper lip was always sweaty. That's the thing. Remember, John Major would be up there in his glasses, and he's just real thin. He looked like—I don't even know who he looked like. I mean, he would just look just just look like a guy that probably saw the inside of a fair number of lockers in high school, uh, which is maybe why he left. And he was all, his upper lip was always covered in sweat, and it always looked like he hadn't shaved, like he had that Homer Simpson five o'clock shadow. And it'd be, so anyway, if you turn to page fifteen in the parliamentary handbook, you'll see that tax revenue has, to, and you'll see, and meet me every day. I was like, son off, you know, and, and and you expected them to just start throwing beer glasses at him. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so I'm watching CNN last night, and Sarah Palin and John McCain are getting ready to enter the stage. And the thing is, playing Eye of the Tiger almost works for Sarah Palin because she's such a TV candidate anyway. You know, she is such a candidate of the 21st century. She is made to be on television. And obviously, you know, she's just she's just as dense as lead. I mean, everything, she's clearly just... Well, you're a typical American politician. But I mean, but I think, I don't know, man. I think Sarah Palin does take it to a whole new level in terms of just having a big airlock inside that head of hers. Smarter than W? I don't know. See? He's the gold standard, really. Wow, I don't... That's a good question. She may be a slight improvement, but not much. I don't know. Okay, by outward appearances. Quickly, let's go around the room. By outward appearances, Sarah or w, Sarah Palin or W, who's smarter? Just based on what we've seen. Now, keep in mind, we've only we've seen him for eight years. We've seen her for a few months. You but... have to remember the very beginning of him. People wondered, how could he possibly make it through a debate? Then all of a sudden, he mysteriously won an election. Well, and see, she's got better speaking skills than he does. That's the thing. So with Bush... I don't even... I can't remember the last time I heard him speak, though. Like, I don't... Well, nobody's been listening for years. No, I mean, he's the incredible shrink. Right. You know what he is? He is... George W. Bush is like at the end of the original Fly movie with Vincent Price, where that guy with the French inspector, the detective, is out in the garden, and he hears that... You know, that's exactly what George Bush is. He's a tiny little guy you don't even hear anymore. Um, he's like the guy hiding in your trunk. <laughs> he's um, gnawing in a box of lake cereal, hiding under a blanket. <laughs> Honey, we've got W's in the trunk again. Will you get the spray? Thanks. So he can't speak very well, obviously, and Sarah Palin is a much slicker. Uh, you know, she gives speeches very well. She, they, they have her memorizing longer index cards now than at the very beginning. But in terms of just who seems smarter, Palin or W? 
I would have to give it to her. I'd have to give it to Sarah Palin. Because... I'd say by a very small margin, but I would say her too. Buying those. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that I think he probably still is, the, as you said, the gold standard for, for density, but... Hey, by the way, the president's name was President Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew uh, Herbert Camacho. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) This country sucks and is great. All right, here's Tim Riley. But but no, to to answer your question, Tim, I can't see any other country bringing, like, their candidate for prime minister or president or whatever into the ring with a survivor song and, like, a pro wrestling announcer. And uh, the nation's press corps letting people get away with so much. Right. When they could have put them in the ground a long time ago. Well, when you they know what, honestly, in idiocracy, don't they bring him out to Eye of the Tiger? I uh, maybe. I, I'm gonna have to look that up now because I'm pretty sure that that the president comes out to that. <laughs> Jesus. Oh God. All right. Um. No, you're right. It's the press's own fault. So Barack Obama's a socialist, and then they never say like, "What about that seven hundred billion dollars he just raped us for?" All right. It's now, different. It's Tim Riley. So here's a Barack Obama sneezing on a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving that guy hantavirus right now. Here we go. It should be the banks taking. For a while. Do you just excuse me? Uh, okay. One more time. Sorry, I'll be quiet. It should be the banks taking. I'm sorry. Bless you. I, I could. I was fighting that off for a while. Oh, that's great. Uh, can, is there a video? Yeah. Let me watch oh. the video. Everybody, get up and watch the video. All right. I'm gonna post this in a few minutes. It should be the banks taking. I'm sorry. That's loud, I, man. I, I, I was fighting that off for a while. It looks like one of his uh, contacts came out. If he does wear contacts. That's like his head sprung a leak or something. All right. You know, that's how Captain Trips uh, spreads. All right, here's Tim Riley. So that's what happened with that. Oh, that's wonderful. It, it, it isn't very often that we get things that we can laugh about that Obama does. Well, no, I was, you know, uh, that guy who called up yesterday, uh, and he said, I thought the call was going to go bad. Mm-hmm. Lee. Bad? Badly? The banks taking... I forgot. I'm sorry. Bless you. I, I, could, I, was, um, I just posted that. You should be seeing it at RadleyLive.com in a couple of minutes. There was a guy that called up yesterday, and he said, uh, he goes, Rick, he said, he said, Rick, I have a question. He goes, uh, um, he said, why don't you ever make fun of Obama and Biden as much as you do McCain and Palin? And I thought it was just going to be a very, one of those calls where the guy calls up, and he, he, he sort of positions it as a question, but he really just wants to yell at you and then hang up. You know, and the talk radio, you hear on talk radio a lot of callers like that. Less, we, we have fewer of those calls here, but especially on like a, you know, like a Lars type show or on an Air America type show, you people call up and they don't really want to ask a question. They just want to like scream something. But, but the guy said, why don't you ever make fun of Obama and Biden? And I said that, you know, we make fun of Biden. Uh, we did actually yesterday talk about they ought to just lock that guy in a cage till the end of the election. Um, but, um, but the, but I was sort of answering another email about that this morning. A guy said, you know, it just seems like all you do is pile on to Sarah Palin, so to speak. And I I just said, you know what, and this is, I actually, I should post on my blog, maybe I will, just my response to this guy's a few lines. And I said, uh, I'll have to paraphrase it badly, but I said, I said, you know, we, we just go where the comedy is. That's the thing, man. We just, we follow the trail of comedy breadcrumbs and... Sarah Palin is the funniest person running right now. I mean, John McCain's pretty funny, too. Yesterday, he made a real strong showing with saying the C word live on MSNBC. Uh, and then that thing of mangling that agree-disagree. So Sarah Palin and John McCain are just giving us more grist. Barack Obama is just sort of boring. I mean, not in, I mean, not in terms of his speech-giving ability or the energy or whatever, but, I mean, just as a candidate, he's just kind of boring. Him and Joe Biden both. And you know what? It, it's hard to make fun of boring. I mean, Ben Stein is the exception that proves that rule. Ben Stein is so unbelievably boring that he becomes funny again. 
But Barack Obama and Joe Biden are just kind of dull. And you can't really... They're like the Ryan Seacrest of politics. Right. They're totally without any sort of friction on them. And you can't really do much with dull. Dull doesn't lend itself to comedy. So I'll tell you what. Uh, everybody thinks we're being too mean to John McCain or Sarah Palin. You let me know uh, when Barack Obama or Joe Biden do something that's just flat-out ridiculous or, or just silly. Uh, you know, or, or when they say the C word live on television. We'll make all kinds of fun of that. But for now, they're just kind of tedious, and you just uh, there's, there's really no comedy to be found there. So, all right. So the new poll from California shows Barack Obama, 56%. John McCain, 33%. That's a 23-point lead. Mm. And that's California only. All right. Um, if you're on hold, hang tight. We, we'll come back. Uh, we've got uh, yeah, we've got more calls around the corner. Uh, we've got somebody who wants to talk about a tweaker and a pumpkin patch. <laughs> Somebody about humans and animals, and this one just said, line three, the description of this call is just, ladies and gentlemen. And then Richie has typed in all caps on the screen, my butt hurts. <laughs> okay. One of those days. That's way too much information. Uh, Especially for Richie. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll take a break. If you're on hold, please hang tight. We'll get to your calls immediately upon returning. We're trying to get to all calls within seven minutes today. More from Tim Riley and so forth. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And so, after serving a short term as vice president, Joe was elected the president of America. Frito became vice president, and Rita, the former prostitute, became first lady. Today I step into the shoes of a great man. A man by the name of Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Camacho. Under President Notshore's leadership, a new era dawned. You know... There was a time in this country when smart people were considered cool. Well, maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon. And there was a time in this country, a long time ago, when reading wasn't just for f and neither was writing. People wrote books and movies. Movies that had stories, so you cared whose ass it was and why it was farting, and I believe that time can come again. Joe and Rita had three children, the three smartest kids in the world. Vice President Frito took eight wives and had a total of 32 kids. 32 of the dumbest kids ever to walk the earth. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, Glorious Bastard of the Week. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. We got the new Striper single. Uh, Double Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, Jim Roop from CNN. We're going to do another exit poll. Uh, we'll try to get done the next uh, 20 minutes or so to see how uh, folks are voting here in the great state of Oregon. You uh, calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, actually, I had a couple of things. Uh, you were talking about humans and animals, and like there's only a few animals that do something like humans. Yeah, although somebody told me I may be wrong about that, but I thought there was only a handful of animals that just killed, like because they just because uh, they like doing it. But I might be wrong. I think you're actually talking about just liking to do it, as in knock boots, not kill. So there's only a few. Wait, what? 
it's like humans, monkeys, and some other animal just like to have sex for fun, where everybody else does it for a you know purpose. All right, you would think it would be the other way around, since uh, you know we since humans are the you know the race that has the Catholic Church. So, all right. well, whatever. Okay. Yeah, and also the exit polling thing that you're doing. Are you doing that for out-of-state people just the same? Um, well, in other, you mean if you are living in another state where you've already voted? Yes, I am in Utah and already voted. Really? When did you vote? In person uh, I, I, or by I, mail? Uh, in person. I registered on Monday and voted on Monday. Interesting. Uh, where do you live in Utah? Uh, Harriman, 20 minutes south of Salt Lake City. All right. Uh, yeah, so, um, well, I here's the thing. We're not going to do the regular insta- uh, exit polling now, but because uh, are you calling from Salt Lake right now or from Utah right now? I am, yes, I am in Utah right now. All right, so because it's, uh, you know, because sort of a special occasion, that, uh, yeah, how did you vote, sir? Uh, Obama. All right, then. Uh, now, and are you, now what, and, and, and I mean, it's it's got to be one of those things where, I mean, especially in Salt Lake, because Salt Lake itself is, uh, you know, a very, you know, a very progressive city, at least in terms of Utah, but of course, once you get outside of Salt Lake City, man, it's like banjo-twanging towns, you Yeah. Know? That's very true. I actually, uh, the Harriman, the city I live in, is actually used to be a polygamist community, of course. Excellent. But it's, uh, it's all just kind of rich, snobby old people now. So. Of course. All right. Excellent. And then uh, one more thing. Yeah. The, uh, Emmanuel Lewis thing you were supposed to play in the oh, break two breaks damn, ago. Damn, damn, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I, just, uh, I didn't know what the guy was even talking about, but I wanted to hear it anyway. All so. right. Thank you. All right. I, and I apologize to that guy. You know, that's what I get for not writing it down. Okay, into the next break. Uh, guy, if you're out there, and then you, sir, uh, I will play the Emmanuel Lewis thing into the next break. Perfect. All right, say hi to the uh, hot Mormon chicks for me. I will do what I can. All right, thank you. Uh, we'll come on, and then we'll continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Oh, uh, I just was want to tell you something happened this last weekend, if that's cool. Yeah, good. Got ahead. a second here. Uh, girlfriend came home from work saying that there's a free pumpkin patch in Portland, and I'm like, a free pumpkin patch? I'm, uh, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, maybe it's for poor people or something, you know, help people out who can't afford to buy pumpkins. So Pumpkins for the poor. I guess, yeah. I was still skeptical. And then she told me where it was. She said 90th and Powell. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I got even... for that. Well, did you go? Yeah, but if I could just tell this a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I was still skeptical once I heard the location. I'm like, there can't be a pumpkin patch. I'm like, well, maybe they're just calling it that because it's for poor people, whatever. I looked it up online, and there was a Craigslist ad. So that should have gave it away right there. Right. But it said haunted house for the kids, blah, blah, free, free all over, of course, you know, free, free. So first of all, I, have you guys ever been charged just to go to a pumpkin patch? Uh, I don't think I've ever actually gone to a pumpkin patch. I think I always just went to, like, Safeway or something. So Okay, I... well, you got to pay for your pumpkins or you got to pay to go on the corn right, maze right. and stuff like that. But just to go on the patch, I've never been charged my whole life. Anyways, we to this place. It's just a field. It's like sectioned off with like hay right. and pumpkins set all over, and these tweaker-looking guys with a tent set up selling uh, like sports memorabilia or something. It's, and, you know that part of the city is just there's all kind. I mean, look at it's a capitalist society. I admire anybody trying to make a living, but those guys who set up the when you talk about them setting the sports memorabilia, is it like one of those sort of field lot things where they also got the guy who has a big clothesline covered in flags that he's selling? Yes, exactly. Exactly. The, the flag thing is the thing that really mystifies me because you'll see guys who have, they've blocked up like a whole parking lot and they have the clothesline and then it's just flags from here. It's like a hundred yards. There's always like the POW MIA flag and the Dixie flag. And, the, and you're like, who does that? Like who makes an impulse flag purchase? 
Yes, I know. And one more thing, actually, on the story, though, that uh, to finish it up, we saw also they had this sectioned-off area with uh, big buckets for donations, it said, for clothing for the poor and stuff. Right. And I said, oh, okay, well, let's check it out. We go in, and, you know, I'm like, well, let's just grab the free pumpkins and get out of here. So we, we loaded up the car with them, come pay for your pumpkins. And uh, we're, like, we're like, no. And he's all, oh, it's, you got to pay for the pumpkins. And like, I thought it was free. Is this free everywhere? He's all, he's free to walk around in here. Oh, so the admission oh is God. free. The yeah. admission is free. Yeah, and their haunted house for the kids was like a Fred Meyer like blow up thing that was about five feet tall by five feet maybe. I like the idea though that that like the admission is free because normally that's you know normally the atmosphere is something you'd have to pay for, but because they care, they're giving it to you at no charge. Yeah, and I got one more thing if you got a second. Very quickly, yeah. Okay, and uh, so you know you talked about going to people's houses for exit polling, and you visited uh, listeners to just thank them for listening. Uh, yeah, we were doing that earlier in the year, and then we kind of slacked off when it got really hot outside. But yeah. Well, one of our coworkers, he won't tell us because he knows we're full of mischief. But uh, he figured out where you live. I won't say anything of what the clue he said, but uh, that's great. We wanted to, you know, go visit Jeff Halloween. Not a mean prank, but you know, but our whole defense was, well, if he can go, you know, thank listeners for for listening, you know, randomly, can't we just go thank him for uh, giving us all this great weeks on end? That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. He should totally. Everybody should do that. Don't I mean, do that. to say he won't tell us, so I don't know where you live, but. Uh. Anyway. All right, well, I can already see that there's going to be a night in the very near future we're going to get him liquored up, though. I can already see that happening. So, well, Rick Emerson appreciates the support. All right, that's sure. Thank sir. you, sir. All right. You do have a tell. Yeah, no, I know. And you did have, you have said it on the air. I'm not going to say it again, but right. you've said it a couple of times. Uh, one more, then we'll continue with the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's uh, up? This is Ed. Hello. Hey, um... You do something, you did it just a little while ago before the break, where you say, it might be a reference I'm not understanding, but you say ladies and gentlemen. What's up with that? You mean I drop the T? Yeah, you don't say gentlemen, you say gentlemen. You do it every time. I'm just wondering if it's a reference or it, you're just not saying it right. I don't know. Maybe I just have lazy mouth. Ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen? I don't pronounce the T very hard. I think that's just because I'm a hick. Uh, I don't... It might have started out as me referencing something, but maybe I think it might just be because I'm a, I'm a rube. I, I think it is a rev. I, I swear somebody said it that way in a show a lot, Simpsons or something like that. And but I cannot place it. But maybe now I'm like running around in my head over and over every single day waiting for you to say it. I don't know. It's weird because I did grow up just raised by the television so much that I think a lot of those things just leach their way into my yeah, brain, and yeah. I don't realize it. Now, nah, see, now I'm going to be. Now I'm going to have to listen to myself say it. Okay, I'll look into it. I'll inspect my brain for an answer, sir. <laughs> Sounds fair. All right, All right, thank you. There you go. Here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. So Barack Obama's leaving the campaign trail to spend two days with his ailing grandma in Hawaii. Obama credits his grandma for making him the man he is today. She has really been the rock of the family, the foundation of the family. Uh, whatever strength, discipline that, that I have, um, it comes from her. You know, they're really milking this story for all it's worth. Because didn't he do this like three days ago? Yes. And so now we have the story that he's leaving the campaign trail for two days, when in fact I think two days has actually elapsed since they first announced it. So I mean, they, no, maybe there's a layover at one of the oh, airports no, they... and he hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> they know where their bread's buttered. Um, 
voters, especially female voters, I think, respond very strongly to the idea that a guy, especially a strong male figure, can take time out to go spend time with an ailing female family member. That plays well with female voters. He doesn't believe this breaking the campaign trail will hurt him on Election Day. I think most people understand uh, that if you're not caring for your family, uh, then uh, you're probably not uh, the kind of person who's going to be caring for other people. That is just such a dig at John McCain. That's totally what, you know, that's just a little like, uh, right between the fifth and sixth ribs. I think most people know I could just go on vacation for the next two weeks and still win. That's really what that's all about. So, well, all right. And this is just sad. John McCain continues his Joe the Plumber tour. Uh, now, oh. seriously, has everyone just left him by himself and gone home and gone on to other jobs? <laughs> now, of all the things to be talking about, this was discredited days ago. Yeah. Yet he's still on this Joe the Plumber tour. When was the debate? It seems like just an endless eternity ago. Was it last week or the week before? I don't know. Yeah, at least a week ago, if not more. I think it might have been last Wednesday. So he's still talking about Joe the Plumber. <sighs> because apparently nobody's working on his campaign anymore. <laughs> Kill me. <clears throat> so here he is in Florida, hoping that people still believe in this magical Joe the Plumber person. And that's the problem with Senator Obama's approach on taxes. He's more concerned about using taxes to spread the wealth than creating a tax plan that creates jobs and grows our economy. Do any of these people know exactly what he's talking about? No. They're just, they're just there hoping he'll say the C word again. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Somebody, I got an email from a guy. He was pointing out that that, um, that thing, that, that idiot thing Biden said, the, uh, I guarantee you we're going to have an international incident. That horrible soundbite yeah. was all muffly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played that. And, uh, but, I mean, it's just, but they're not even, just, just not even on the same. See, that's the thing about Biden, man. Even when Biden screws up, like when he said that FDR thing, uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of retarded, but it's just not flat out insane. I mean, the, and the, John McCain, hadn't he said the C word like three different times? Didn't we have something else? Did we ever play the other one that we got? No, but Richie sent it to me. It's bleeped. Because here's the one. Somebody that, keeps putting it into the prompter. This. Go go after yourself, San Diego. I mean, don't you get the feeling that's what it is? That it's like that somebody back there is screwing with McCain? Because uh-huh. um, it's really just on a, it's on a whole separate level here. Let me, uh, here's the one we played yesterday. This is John McCain live on MSNBC. And so this this really is the perfect example. It's not the C word, is it? it but it's edited. Oh, okay. This is the perfect example of what we're talking about when I say we just go where the comedy is. There's nothing... Because I keep going back to the fact that Obama and Biden are just dull. I mean, they're just boring. Nothing that either of those guys has done as to the level of John McCain saying the C word live on television. Not Multiple once, but times. twice. What scares me is that he's the kind of man that that just flows out of his mouth. Like, so, like, how many people in your life do you know that accidentally say that word all the time? Well, it's just us. His wife's used to it. Yeah, nobody. And it's just creepy because I'm like, what sex dungeon are you in that, like, all of a sudden... This is just so natural for it to slip out of your mouth. Like, uh, maybe his passport to Austria was recently renewed. Uh-huh. So this is John McCain. This is the first one. This is John McCain live on MSNBC yesterday. Uh, he means to say, uh, I think, budget cut. See yeah. you. He means to say budget crunch. Well, this is cut. Oh, I Yours is the crunch. crunch. Yeah. So this is the first one. This is John McCain. He means to say cut. Rates were cut. In the cut in the bush years. One more time. And even though it's bleeped, let me assure you that he says the word very clearly. Rates were cut in the cut in the bush years. That's so great. And then, so you have another one, Sarah. This yes. is a separate incident 
Same word, separate incident, John McCain. He's talking about houses and a budget crunch. Housing prices are flat, are declining, and Americans have lost their homes, are in danger of losing them. A credit crunch. <laughs> but he says oh, the C word crunch. right there. Yeah. Believe it at his age, that's all he's thinking about. Rates were in the cut in the Bush years. He is a, he is a salty a former military man. Crunch. Oh, that's so great. I guess, by the way, we're a little ahead of the curve on this because we were talking yesterday about this cut specifically. Rates were in the... In which he says that. And I was pointing out that, technically speaking, now we didn't, but technically speaking, we could play that uncut. That's just a fact. We could if we wanted to. Now, we will not. But if we so chose, we would technically be allowed to play that without bleeping it. So I guess this morning on the Corolla show, I guess Adam was screaming for like 10 minutes about how he wanted to play it uncut uncut uh for the same uh for the same reasons adam was pointing out he's like well, it's not he's not talking about the uh the organ he's uh you know he's just it's a slip of the tongue he's not uh, there's no reason i guess jack silver actually called up and, like or like adam please die of a family don't play it but uh so there you go john mccain like you can't con i can't believe that he just keeps saying that one specific it, word and the, maybe they're promising the supporters outside of the entrance that he will say it at some point <laughs> Oh my God! Maybe it's um. Where's that other soundbite from yesterday that we have when he's like, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, you were the you. I don't oh, have the full length. I, I still have it. You have the full length. Well, let's see if I can find but, that. You know, may, I think this might be like, you know, people who go to see the. Uh, this is like when people go to see the Brian Jonestown massacre, mm -hmm. and you really just do it because you're hoping to be there the night that like they go nuts and one of them shoots another one on stage, mm. you know, or like how you would go to see Guns N' Roses back then or G.G. Allen or something because you wanted to be there the night there was a breakdown. Mm-hmm. So here's the one from yesterday. This is about uh, when Martha was in western Pennsylvania calling the people there rednecks and racist. So in case I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most patriotic part of America. That's right. This is a great part of the country. Oh, we should. so bad. Every time you hear it, it's just, it gets worse. And we should note, by the way, as we're wrapping up this Obama story, mm -hmm. I do believe that the grandmother he is visiting is the woman who uh, gave us this fantastic Barack Obama soundbite. She is a typical white person. I oh. think, is that not the, yeah. is that not in reference to his grandmother? Mm -hmm. Boy, you know, this soundbite never really caught on the way that I wanted it to. She is a typical white person. I think, yeah, that should be. Like, I had like high hopes being... for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like this really should have caught fire. She is a typical is white person. Taking... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she is a typical white person. All right. I'm sorry. We, <laughs> we, did, we should not have control over all these buttons. Look, I mean, we're doing our job here. We're playing these awful... It's not, I, I, we're doing everything we can. Sometimes they catch on, sometimes they don't. We're really... We're, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. It's not like sneezes are typically all that funny. That one just is for some reason. Well, I mean, it's the most comical thing he's done in quite some time. I mean, he's not a funny man. It usually takes something else to make us laugh. Like... <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
I know I've been saying this for the last few days. Really, I got to take all of these sound bites and put them up on the site and have like somebody create like a, a master mix, like a montage. Because we have to be able to play it at our um, at the Emerson election. Oh, at the we... uh, the political party. Political party. So what should okay? What should we put up? What should the raw material be for the montage? If we're gonna have people make a put like a master mix of all of these political sound bites, so what I'm should a we put? Hockey mom from Alaska. Okay, so hold on. Hockey, and I'll put I'll post to these tonight. Hockey mom. Okay, so I'll post this one. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. What about the say it ain't so, Joe? I don't have that. I don't have that either. Okay, but I do have this. She is a typical white person. We'll put that one up. Typical white person. Tim, we got to post the sneeze. Okay. The sneeze, definitely. White person. McCain and the C word, definitely. Ob- Obama sneeze. Obama sneeze. All right. Uh, let's see. You know what else never caught on? Here's the thing I was thinking would call, uh, catch on. I was thinking there'd be uh, like a like Obama jokes that would replace like a Yo Mama joke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It'd be like, you know, Obama so fat. And then that never really happened. That was a prediction I made. That didn't come true either. And something we just, we just, sometimes we just can't spot it. Uh, all right, so we have typical, she is a typical, white, typical person. white person. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. KCMD Portland. That one as well. Uh, let's see. We have uh, we have McCain doing this. Rates were in the cut in the Bush years. All right. What about Biden saying, "I have three letters for you, J." Oh, yeah, there you go. That's it. McCain, C word. Biden jobs. All right, Biden jobs. All right. Is there anything else I'm missing? Have there been any other really ridiculous sound bites? I mean, that are kind of short and punchy from this from this election cycle. Uh, I mean, when Sarah, Sarah Palin reads, was that kind of a long sound? Well, they're sure saying I read all of them. Mm-hmm. There's that one, and then there's I read all of them is good, but and then but there is the long thing of McCain trying to dig himself out of that that glitch where he says agree disagree. I mean that you know that is because he just that. keeps on plowing through. Yes, he does. God bless him. McCain glitch. Oh, and then okay, there we go. So I'll post all these tonight, and we'll see if folks can put these together into something else. She is a typical white person. All right, here's Tim Riley. Then we have Federal Fed Commissioner Alan Greenspan painting a very grim picture of the economy. We are in the midst of a once-in-a-century credit tsunami. Sounds fun, a credit it? tsunami? A credit tsunami. Oh, kind of fun. A, a credit tsunami kind of sounds like there's a whole lot of credit coming my way. Like they're going to up my limit to three hundred grand or something. Sounds like an infomercial at 2 a.m. So it's a credit tsunami. And it would be like a guy on the beach with like some big-boobed uh, you know, girls in bikinis. Uh, you know, it would be like holding one of those coconut drinks. And offering you, like, a free cash, uh, you know, flow system or something. All right. Uh, Greenspan said he made a mistake in believing that banks were operating in their self-interest and they would be sufficient to protect their shareholders and equity in their institutions. Uh, he says there's a flaw in the model that the businesses should be able to do whatever they please. So, I guess it didn't work out. Maybe next time. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your, uh, I think it's a double Geek Watch. Is it? Yes, it is. Double Geek Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used just a television show. That's all. (laughs) Right, but we were wondering if the quantum flux... There There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. 
Part 1, Dateline Tokyo. A 43-year-old Japanese woman who said in divorce in the virtual game world made her so angry that she killed her online husband's digital persona has been arrested on suspicion of hacking. The woman is jailed on suspicion of illegally accessing the computer and manipulating electronic data. Used his identification and password to log onto popular interactive game Maple Story to carry out the virtual murder in mid-May. I was suddenly divorced without a word of warning. That made me angry. The woman had not yet plotted any revenge in the real world. She has not yet been formally charged, but if convicted, she could face a prison term of up to five years and a fine of up to $5,000. Wait, she got a virtual divorce, and that made her so angry she then killed the virtual character that divorced her? I guess so. I don't play these games. That's what it says here. So confusing. Uh, she has not yet been formally charged. Players in Maple Story raise and manipulate digital images called aviators that represent themselves while engaging in relationships, social activities, and fighting against monsters and other obstacles. This is, well, you know, this is a little bit like that game Second Life. And to call Second Life a game even is, is really not even to describe it accurately. Um, I, I keep thinking that we ought to, this show ought to do something in Second Life, which is this sort of virtual world thing. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like World of Warcraft, but without any sort of competition. It, it really, it, Second Life is like this. Second Life is like this completely, totally immersive, fully interactive, massive version of The Sims, except that you're not really controlling them from above like some sort of dollhouse. You sort of are the character. Um, anyway, bands now have like concerts there, and record companies are using it to sort of promote singles and whatever. Anyway, I guess it's pointless if you don't know what I'm talking about, but I keep thinking that we ought to do that somehow. All right, here's Tim Riley. Part two. William Shatner is feeling a bit slighted by his old Star Trek co-host, George Takai. In a video interview pasted on his website, the Boston Legal Star expresses disappointment in not receiving the invitation to Takai's wedding last month, while also taking shots at Takai's decision to reveal his sexual orientation as an older man. Shatner says he can't understand why his former co-star has an issue with him. You know, the whole thing makes me feel badly. Poor man. Uh, there's such a sickness there. It's so painfully obvious that there is a sickness there. I don't know what his original thing about me was. I have no idea. Shatner also has in the video he never really knew his co-star while filming Star Trek. So why does he expect to be invited? Takai married his longtime partner, Brant Altman, September 15th in California. He maintains he did, in fact, invite Shatner to the ceremony, but never received a reply. The best part of that story, by the way, is the final uh, the version I read. The best part is the final line where Shatner oh, says... Uh, the Boston legal star also attacked Takai's decision to come out of the closet later in life, saying, Who cares? Be gay. Don't be gay. That's up to you, George. That's, that's right. It is your choice, George, after all. Um, you know, the thing about Star Trek is... I say that it's just the opening to the biggest, broadest discussion. Let me refine that a bit. First of all, uh, you know, all those we were talking about this before the show, actually, about how everybody just loathes Shatner so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, Shatner is one of those guys that I think he is sort of grandfathered in. Like, we all kind of dig Shatner because he's goofy and he's kind of a bad actor and he's sort of, you know, does these terrible songs and he was on Star Trek and he has sort of a sense of humor about himself. But, but again, he's only grandfathered in because he obviously is just such a dick. It's just such a raging bastard that if we knew that about him first, we would never like Shatner as much as we do now if we had realized early on just what a colossal ass he is. So he was lucky that he kind of got in underneath the gate there, uh, you know, under the wire, before we found out that he was just such a, just a flaming jerk. 
that being said, as much as all the Star Trek guys hate each other, and all the cast members of Star Trek, none of them get along, they all loathe each other, but the only thing they hate more than each other is Shatner, so Shatner is the thing that brings them all together. Shatner is the unifying force among Star Trek cast members, because that's the subject on which they can all agree, that they all just despise that guy. So, all right, well, F him. All right, Tim Riley. So, so much for him. Is that the end of the Geek Watch? That is the end of the Geek Watch. There's yes. your double Geek Watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. My hammer by the Sons of Warband. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Oh, by the way, uh, we, uh, we forgot the uh, thing where Sarah Palin says John McCain has already tapped me. I forgot about that. John McCain has already tapped me. All right, here's Tim Riley. Here's something for you ladies. Attention, ladies. Did you know that too many cups of coffee can reduce your breasts? Britain's Telegraph reports researchers have found drinking three or more cups of coffee a day could lead to smaller breasts. The research published in the British Journal of Cancer... Who would subscribe to that? The British Journal of Cancer. That's got to be a real pick-me-up. <laughs> hey, do you have any copies of that cancer magazine around here? Well, I gotta... Why not give it as a gift to friends this Christmas? <laughs> I totally am going to. So, the British Journal of Cancer. What does the Journal of Cancer <laughs> even do? What did... What what is it? What is the point of that magazine? Apparently, they studied the size of women's breasts this time. They found that about half the women in the study had a gene mutation that seemed to link breast volume to coffee intake. Why is the Journal of Cancer studying boob size? Somebody's uh, misusing some grant money at that magazine. A Swedish researcher also said, "quote Drinking coffee can have a major effect on cup size." Unquote. The scientists find women who drink three cups of coffee a day had breasts that average. 17% smaller than women who drink less than three cups a day. The study also found the benefit to drinking coffee, saying drinking caffeine, appears to reduce the risk of breast cancer. Okay. Uh, that's somebody who just wanted an excuse to study uh, boobs while he was at work. That's what that I is. I think so. Also this. We talk about the Journal of Cancer or the Cancer Journal or whatever. The Journal of Cancer. Remember how a few weeks ago I made that ill-timed joke about schizophrenia? And we were talking to some listener, and it turns out that his, his daughter is schizophrenic and blah, blah, blah. So he, he came by, and he was actually he was cool with it. He, he tolerated my juvenile, you know, inanity. But he came by the office later, and he dropped off something for me. And he dropped it, and I, it's, on the, it's sitting on the coffee table in my office now. If you go in, and everybody sort of sees it and comments on it, and it is... The monthly, it is the Schizophrenia Monthly, I think it's called, but it's like the Monthly Schizophrenia Digest. And, I mean, you know, obviously there's a community of folks who deal with that, and they have loved ones who are sort of coping with that with that situation. But it, there's just no getting around it. That is sort of perversely amusing, the idea that there's a monthly magazine for schizophrenics, um, which, I kid you not, has recipes in it. So there, there are recipes just for the schizophrenic among us. So that's sitting in my office. I'm going to leave it there just to sort of unnerve people when they walk in. Here's Tim Riley. The staff of the Multnomah County Elections Office is standing by, ready to answer questions you may have as November 4th draws closer. Officials also want to hear from you if you have not yet received your ballot in the mail. The Multnomah County Elections Office is at 1040 Southeast Morrison. Uh, voters registered in other counties can contact their own elections office for any questions. Ballots must arrive at county elections office or be delivered by 8 p.m. November 4th. A list of drop sites is available at their website, mickelections.org. This from New York. A school bus driver there facing charges after admitting he had a beer. Then got behind the wheel with kids still on the bus. 43-year-old Jimmy Pruitt was driving students home from Bergen Catholic High School yesterday afternoon when he stopped at the supermarket to buy some beer. Police Sergeant James Sullivan said a witness tipped off the authorities who stopped the bus about a half mile down the road. I guess he was taking a break and you know went to shop right in Pearl River and 
I believe the witness was behind him online, observed him buying, purchasing the beer. And then when she went out to her car, she seen him. In, I think he was outside the school bus drinking it. And then, you know, she obviously knew the right. school bus. Might as well have myself a cool one. So he stopped, bought some beer, and hopped aboard the bus and brought the kids home. He was doing a pickup from Bergen Catholic, uh, the program, you know, picked up at Bergen Catholic High School. And there was two children, uh, like I said, he was driving home. Well, that is the right place to do it. If you're, you know, if you're not going to do it at a Catholic school, where are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. Hey, back on that election thing for a second. So you said they, uh, everything's going to be turned in, dropped off, mailed in, whatever, by... 8 p.m. November 4th. And that's not postmarked, right? That's received. Right. So I, I'm just saying for me... People are going to get confused. How do I put this? Well, see, I don't want to say that. I want to sound like I'm impugning letter carriers. I'm just saying if it were mean, if you really took your vote seriously, you know, uh, you'd drop that off. Because, you know, whatever. I mean, God forbid there's a delay, an there's accident, so many places glitch. to drop it off, too. I mean, Libraries. To library. yeah. yeah, that's where I did it last mm-hmm. year. You can do it everywhere. Or so um, I would be, yeah, I'd be for dropping that off myself. I'm just saying. I don't mean to uh, cast aspersions on the letter delivering committee. I'm just, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave, it, leave that in the hands of fate. they points all around the city, too. They I mean, are everywhere. Just, yeah. Um, I think we might actually have one here at CBS up front. I, I might be wrong about that. Um, so what is the deal? So, do they, so does Multnomah County get all those, but they leave them sealed until... 8 p.m. on Tuesday. I think they can start counting, but they, they can open up the envelopes and take them out, but they can't start the machines till 8. So they can be taking out the ballots and putting Stacking them in like a them. stack, basically. Yeah. But then they have to wait until inbox. 8 p.m. on Tuesday the 4th to then start running them through mm-hmm. the optical scanner or whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't forget, Tuesday, November 4th, uh, the Rick Emerson Show's political party will be happening at Grand Central Bowl on uh, 8th and Morrison in beautiful southeast Portland, along with our uh, friends at the Willamette Week and uh, the Oregon Bus Project. We'll be there throughout the night starting at 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock until everything is decided, probably till uh, 10 or so. Uh, it's going to be uh, food, beverages of all varieties, fun, frivolity. That place has got like 50 TVs, big, flat-screen, huge, high-definition TVs, lots of couches, seats, chairs, places to hang out and watch. Uh, there's going to be, I think the bowling is actually going to be going. Uh, Tim Riley will be doing live reporting throughout the night on this radio station from Grand Center. You go down there, watch Tim Riley report the news as only he can. And then he will be, um, broadcasting live on CNN radio across the country from that location as well. Uh, you can find more details at 970.am. The Rick Emerson Show's political party happening Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Grand Central Bowl, uh, bro- Bowl, brought to you by our uh, fine sponsors, Taboo Adult Video, Powell's Books, Cedar Hills Crossing, etc. Here is Tim Riley. From Frisco, Texas comes word. Usually they just throw eggs. But Frisco Police Officer Greg Barnett said they've seen vandals use a different weapon lately. We've had eight separate incidents where someone's thrown jars of spaghetti sauce and hit people's vehicles or houses. Damage so far is $4,800. So here's something new. Just two weeks after a Nobel Prize highlighted work of subatomic particles, physicists have announced a startling discovery from a much more familiar form of matter, scotch tape. As it turns out, if you peel scotch tape off its roll in a vacuum chamber, it emits X-rays. The researchers even made an X-ray image of one of their fingers. It was more than 50 years ago some Russian scientists reported evidence of X-rays being peeled from sticky tape. I don't understand what this story is about. X-rays. Okay. And scotch tape. Uh, you can get X-rays from scotch tape. Do you see how that doesn't make any sense? You see what you I'm talking about? You, you see my problem, Tim? Well, let me explain this further. Okay. In the new work, a machine peeled ordinary scotch tape off a roll in a vacuum chamber at about 1.2 inches per second. You understand so far? You can try this at home. I guess. Okay, go ahead. So, scotch tape was peeled off a roll in the vacuum chamber 
at 1.2 inches per second. So uh-huh. you can do this and try it at home. Rapid pulses of x-rays, each about a billionth of a second long, emerge from very close to where the tape was coming off the roll. Now, that's where the electrons jump from the roll to the sticky underside of the tape that's being pulled away. A journey of about two thousandths of an inch. Amazed so far? Now, when those electrons strike the sticky side, as they slow down, the showing made them emit x-rays. Is there a health hazard, you ask? Well, no x-rays were produced in the presence of air. You need to work in a vacuum, not exactly an everyday situation, but not impossible. So if you're going to peel tape in a vacuum, you should be extra careful. But you can continue to use scotch tape during your daily life. It's safe to do so in your office. This is what I was trying to play, because this really is like... I don't understand anything that's going on in the story, but it's kind of freaking me out. Like, I have no grasp of the, of the concept you're trying to convey here, uh-huh. but it is sort of terrifying me. And repeat it again, but you might as well listen back to the podcast. All right, okay. Fine, there you go. Was that interesting or what? Uh, yeah. It was or what? <laughs> uh, this email says, hey, random question. Whatever happened with Patrick Swayze? Didn't we hear like nine months ago he had four weeks to live? Maybe you lied. Hey, that's a good point. Is that he's the Tazon day of the celebrities who are supposed to die soon? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. That's a good question. I thought I thought Patrick Swayze was uh, he was about to snuff it, and then he didn't. Well, good for him. Uh, don't forget, still to come today, we have um, this Emmanuel Lewis song. Uh, we have more of an exit poll. We're going to poll folks who have already voted uh, in the Oregon election or perhaps from out of state. High Concept Thursday, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer, Jim Roop, uh, the new single from uh, Striper, and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. A West Palm Beach teenager accidentally shot himself while talking on his phone. The 16-year-old boy, whose name has not yet been released, was home alone. It appears that he was talking on the phone and playing with a handgun when it went off. Did he die? Yes. A man parades a decapitated head through the streets of Bangladesh. Police detained a man accused of chopping off the head of a tenant in his apartment and then paraded it through the streets of Baghdad's <laughs> capital, shouting, I killed my wife! The man identified only as a man had uh, quarreled with his wife for three days steady. When he returned home and his wife wasn't there, he burst into the room of a 22-year-old tenant named Tuli and severed her head with a sharp knife. He then paraded the head through the streets. Police detained him after receiving several phone calls complaining about his actions. His mother had a three-room apartment in uh, one area and rented one room to Tuli about two months ago. Now, as a related story, did we talk about this woman who did the same the same thing? This woman in the um... well, it's the latest trend. <laughs> this is a woman in the I think in the, I think in India where all these stories come from. Mm-hmm. Crowds in a busy market fled in terror as a woman walked among them holding aloft the severed head of a man she said had attacked her. Covered in blood, this is fantastic. Covered in blood, she held the head high like a trophy. Said police, her way of showing she had delivered her own kind of justice to the attacker. According to police officer Ram Barossa, the 35-year-old woman had sliced off the man's head with a sickle, oh. after uh, which she had been using to cut grass near her village. She was getting grass for her cattle when the man came up behind her and tried to sexually assault her. In a bid to sa- this is fantastic. In a bid to save her dignity, she turned on him and during a struggle managed to chop off his head with a sickle. Good for her. So that sister's doing it for themselves Amen. right there. Said, we have no doubts about her story because she had bite marks in her neck and cheek when the man tried to take advantage of her sexually. Um, so determined was the woman to show that she had beaten off her attacker, who she claimed had been stalking her for three months, she decided to immediately take the severed head to her local market. 
She put the head on parade, said Mr. Barossa. She walked right through all the crowds who were buying their vegetables, holding the severed bloody head up high. Standing beside a marching band in the parade. <laughs> all of her clothes were covered in blood, but as far as she was concerned, that didn't matter. She just wanted to make a point, and she definitely succeeded in doing that. Everybody scattered. It was a terrifying sight. But the woman said she had no regrets about her actions. So there you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. I encourage similar behavior. It's the Severed Head Parade. It really is. An Severed, annual event. Severed Heads are the new black. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yes, uh, this question, I guess, would be uh, maybe for Tim. Uh, I was wondering if he... Or is this maybe a science guys... question? No, I'm just oh. wondering if you've heard anything about any uh, military helicopter operations on the west side. I live in Tigard, and they're all over the place out here. That's uh, you, mean, thing, you mean right thing... now at this very moment? Right now, at this very moment, I've just seen my fifth helicopter fly over. Uh, I'm driving home from uh, 217 towards King City. Where are we going? Well, Hillsborough has an airport. Didn't a couple weeks ago, weren't there uh, military military helicopters over the city, over downtown? Yes, they were. They were practicing. Um, So would these be? These wouldn't be the regular airport, though, would they? Well, uh, Hillsborough has an airport, which they use quite Uh, a bit. uh, Maybe they are coming, uh, coming from or going to the airport. Well, they're kind of doing, you know, they're not really flying direct lines like they'd be heading towards or from the airport. They're just kind of zigzagging. Is it possible that they're police helicopters? Do we have police helicopters in Portland? No. No. I don't think we do, no. That's a good oh, question. And, uh, and one more thing. Patrick, yes, he has a new movie coming out, by the way. Is it Ghost yeah. 3? I, I hope not. Okay. All right. Was there a Ghost 2? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I've blown the joke. I thought there was a Ghost 2 that was direct to DVD. All right. Thank you, oh, sir. Hey, hey, well, Oh, yeah. One more thing. Best show ever. Ah, uh, thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. My name is Indigo Montoya. All right, never mind. Here's Tim Riley. No, I'm looking up. Uh, I don't see any reports of any yeah, unusual incidents. No, I don't. Uh, who's to say? But, you know, the Army's in training to protect our strip malls. Someday they may have to. Yes, yes they are. Uh, let's see. We've got this couple requests. Well, first of all, the, the, Tim... Um, do you want to hear the the Do you want to hear this uh, email request for one of your sounders, or do you want to hear the Mad Men timeline? The Mad Men timeline. All right, so we'll do this. So we'll do the other one later. This is from uh, Don. Uh, let's see, Rick, the Don Draper, Dick Whitman age timeline. I know you have better things to do, so I've done it for you. So this, so listener Don has created this timeline for Mad Men because a lot of people have been discussing this episode that aired Sunday and when some of those events are taking place, like when he's talking to the, the sort of toughs that are working on the jalopies. And it seems like, is that taking place in Mad Men present day, or is that taking place in Mad Men seven years prior, or whatever, when he first meets Don Draper's wife? So we've got this. It says, according to my calculations, 1939, Dick Whitman is seven years old. Depression is still going on in rural America. Hobo visits Dad's, Dad's farm. That's from that episode, The Hobo Code. Mm-hmm. June 25, 1950, U.S. enters the Korean War. Dick Whitman is 18 years old. Draft age lowered to 18 years and six months. 1952, Dick Whitman arrives at military outpost in Korea with Don Draper, who has less months, uh, less than two months of, uh, left on his tour of duty. Typical service time in U.S. Army is two years. Don Draper, the real one, is 24 years old. Dick Whitman is 20 years old. Don Draper killed in action. Dick Whitman changes dog tags, assumes Don Draper's name and military record. 1952 to 1953, Don Draper escorts uh, Dick... Uh, Dick Dick Whitman escorts Don Draper's body back to Kansas. Don Draper disappears, ends up in Southern California as a used car salesman. Don Draper's wife shows up and threatens to expose him. They agree to a mutual understanding. Don Draper moves to New York. 
1953. Don Draper goes back to San Pedro, California to see Draper's wife and ask for a divorce, then marries Betty. 1954, Betty and Don's oldest child is born. And then finally, 1962, present time and show, Don Draper is 34 years of age. Dick Whitman is really only, though, 30 years of age. Oldest daughter is nine. So that is, I'll post this later because a lot of people have asked me about this. And then he, he wraps it up by saying, I got laid off last week, so I had a few extra minutes to kill. He says, my, my guess is that Don Draper goes back to New York and confronts Betty, gives her an ultimatum. At the office, he will lay the groundwork for leaving the company and starting his own company. We know Burt Cooper is not happy with the merger. Maybe he goes in with him. Then it will be Duck versus Don for their accounts. Regards, uh, listener named Don. So there you go. I will post this online. So that might explain a lot of things there. Okay, that's food for thought. A couple more here, and then we'll take a break. An abstinence education program in Georgia is offering couples who abstain from sex before marriage a chance to win a $10,000 wedding. This is the Marriage Appreciation Training Uplifting Relationship Education Program, offering the Marriage of a Lifetime Contest to couples who live in Rockdale, which is in Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry, Rockdale, DeKalb, and Newton Counties. This is from the Atlantic Constitution. So far, there have been no entries, despite the looming... No entries? Yeah, no entries. There have been no entries so far. <laughs> there is a romantic... Isn't that the point, Tim? That's true. <laughs> uh, there is a romantic end of this. Uh, they're also looking for a couple who are committed and will work through struggles. In addition to promising not to have true sex before marriage, couples must agree to allow the public to attend their wedding as well as undergo a premarital counseling. What do you mean they, they, they agree not to have true sex? I don't know what that means. Does that mean... <laughs> Sarah just... You know what that means. Sarah just did that great... Uh, I don't even know how to describe your facial expression. You, like, sort of cocked an eyebrow and sort of tilted your head a little bit like a, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, does that mean, is that like a, they can do third base? I guess so. I, I don't know. They what the, can do third base. You're the greatest. Go to, well, how would you describe, on this radio program, mm -hmm. which is licensed by the FCC, how would you describe it? No, that, that's, no that's, all, that's all I could do. Does this mean they can do everything but sex? No. See, that's, that's, no. See, I went one way and then you took it the other way. I knew a girl in, in high school. <laughs> Maybe I should just go back to playing YouTube clips. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'm just. I knew a girl in high school who was super religious and she would do everything but sex. Really? Really. And it was, it, it, yeah, it was very well known. Now I'm not even sure which way you're, you're talking oh, about. Oh, you know which way I'm talking about. Really? She did everything but sex. She did everything but sex. Tim, I don't know the woman. I can't comment. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's do the Glorious Bastard of the Week. We'll go into the break. We'll come back. More news from Tim Riley. Uh, let's see, later on, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Oh, oh, Glorious Bastard of the Week, then the Emmanuel Lewis song in the break. I almost forgot about it again. Here's there. Because uh, I suck. All right, hold on a second. Let me get this queued up. Um, let's see. So we'll do the Glorious Pastor of the Week, then this uh, Emmanuel Lewis sound. Then we will come back. More news from Tim Riley. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, High Concept Thursday coming up. Uh, the new Striper single. Uh, Clergy Watch, Jim Roop, and more. Uh, let's see. Where did I go? Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Glorious Bastard of the Week. Greetings and salutations, Shannon Ray of Hillsboro. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, 
You have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. Richie's again noting on the screen that his butt hurts. All caps. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which has Marissa Tomei nude for like what seems like hours on end on DVD. You'll also uh, win the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why they're there. Thank you for listening. Shannon Ray from Hillsborough. you are the Glorious Bastard of the Week. Be sure to sign up to become an AM970 Glorious Bastard at 970.am. All right, I will uh, play us in the break here with this Emmanuel Lewis sound, and then we'll come back. Uh, this I forget the name of the song. I, th- I think it's called Cityscape, City, City Confidential, City something or other. Um, this is from a Japanese-only release that Emmanuel Lewis did in, I think, 1986. A uh, quick backstory. I mentioned this the other day. It was put out on a biodegradable cassette tape, which means that almost all of the cassette tapes just sort of half-lifed into dust. So there are now no remaining copies of the entire song. This is all that survives. Uh, on the Rick Emerson Show, I give you Emmanuel Lewis. <laughs> Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. Here's what we're going to do. More news from Tim Riley here in just moments. Then Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, then we'll do uh, our first exit poll today for people who have already voted in this year's election. Uh, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles will join us. We'll play the new Striper single. And uh, we have High Concept Thursday coming up. By the way, a couple things. Uh, one, we had a request for this. So I'm just going to play it. We had the, this guy request a little bit of a sounder, so we're going to play it. And then I would encourage everybody to go to rickemerson.com right now. Now, here's the thing. You go to rickemerson.com. And by the way, every, Richie keeps saying that the 970.am website is down. But I, I keep trying, and it keeps working for me. And I'm clearing the cache and refreshing it. So I don't know if it's down everywhere, if I'm only able to see it because I'm inside CBS. But I don't think that would make any difference. So the, the, the 970.am website may or may not be down. I haven't gotten any email about it. Richie says he's gotten some people calling saying it's down. It's working for me. It's slow, but it's there. So uh, so if you're not able to see 970.am, it's possible there's regional outages maybe somehow. But um, anyway, so I guess they are looking into it, but I, I'm, I'm able to see it. So we are, I guess it is being looked into by the appropriate folks. Uh, so rickemerson.com, I'm going to urge you right now to... Think long and hard before you click on the link in this blog. It is safe for work. My new blog entry, it's safe for work. It is called Nature Hates You. And I'm just going to read the description here. 
My blog entry, I just posted this about five minutes ago. It says, nature hates you. This will haunt your dreams forever. Don't click this if you don't want to be horrified beyond all recovery, safe for work, but utterly, terribly traumatizing. It's absolutely true. It's not fake. It's not made up. It's not like a, 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 some sort of a doctored photo. It is real. I sent it to Fat Boy yesterday, and I actually could hear his scream from downstairs. Like, I'm, I'm down the hall, up some stairs, down another hall, and in an office, and I could actually hear him screaming uh, after he clicked. And I sent him a thing. I'm like, don't click this. I'm like, i got to send it to you. Because that's just what guys do, but you don't want to click it. Like, you don't want to look at it, you don't want to see it. Uh, you know, and yet he clicked anyway, and he screamed, and then he actually sent me a long-ass, uh, just an email, and, and the email just said, like, ha! So, go to rickemerson.com. Should I look at it? Yeah, yeah, of course you should. I'll wait for you. We'll get your reaction live on the air. This is the most recent blog entry at rickemerson.com. Nature hates you. Mm-hmm. Let that load for you. What the hell is that? That's what I'm talking what about. What is that? Yeah. What is that? What is it? What Zang. Is it? Oh, you know what it is. Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. <gasps> hey, Tim, come look at this. Where is it? It's over here oh. on Sarah's screen. Hey, come check out the thing that took John Lee. Ah. Yeah, that's what I'm Did, saying. Do you see what it's doing? That's right. So go to Rick Emerson. That's a guarantees right there. Go to RickEmerson.com. And uh, check out the most recent blog entry called Nature Hates You. Oh, my God. I need. I can't close it. And you can't scrub it out of your brain, either. You're going to see it when you try to sleep tonight. All right. There you go. Uh, on the lighter tip, as the young people say, I can see that eating a box of cereal. <laughs> oh, my God. Tim, that is not nice. Or a lean that cuisine. Is not nice. <laughs> that is not nice. Here's the thing, Sarah. Stop it. No, later when you have the choice. Stop it. Don't stop to get the uh, gun off the hood of your car. This email says, Rick, in all the craziness, I was wondering if you could please revisit a classic gem of a sounder, that Swedish chick that yacked on live television. Just put it in randomly. So there was also the guy that hurled while doing something like watching TV. Uh, I just remember the day when you played those two over and over again and I was crying. You don't have to beat it to death, but just a little reminder that sometimes a woman's time of the month can make her barf on television. Also, is Sarah going as Sarah X. Palin for Halloween? Just checking. I was kind of thinking about it. The thing is... On the one hand, you might go, well, it's too obvious, whatever. But this is the only year you can do it. And I do have, I, I could do the whole, like, wispy bang because I have yeah. a hairstyle that would work with it. You either got to do it this year. Spray it all brown. I, I think you either got to do it this year or in 10 years. You can't do it next year. Mm. This year or in a decade. You got to wait till it's maybe retro. But I would say or do walk it. walk around carrying a shotgun. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to, well, no, that seems like a bad idea. I mean, not a real one. Um, But I'm just, but this seems like, a, you know, it's, it's a, this is your opportunity. If you don't do it now, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do it. I would say you got to strike while the iron's hot. This is the only it's like our it's our like our playing the uh, Sarah Palin watch theme. You know, we're probably not gonna get to do that in about two weeks. So I would say Sarah X Palin. That's a good costume. And even if I'll people know you're doing, I was that, actually just thinking about it today. And my thing is, even if it's known, like even if people are aware you're doing that, they won't know how you're gonna do it. And I know you can probably find a way to make that to do it in a very creative fashion. So. Uh, we'll play this. Richie, are we obtaining Dorothy Carcassari from the Inquirer? All right, thank you. Let me just play this uh, by request. Uh, this is Nick who wanted to hear this. I give you a Swedish game show host vomiting live on television. Yeah, hello. Hello. Hey, vet du? Niklas. Hey, Niklas. Var du vet du Tull. Of truth, this is Tim Riley. 
by request. Oh, is this me again? Let's listen. Yes. Again? We don't again. Know. What is with you today? I don't know. <laughs> by the way, for those who don't know what we're talking about, about five minutes ago we were doing the commercial break and Tim was doing a, a, a bike and hike live commercial. And so here's just a little breaking the fourth wall. Here's what happens. I have the crazies all on your side of the table today, Tim. I think so. I, at the beginning of the show, said that I was a little out of it because Lara was up all night with this chest pain thing. And then I have a family of rodents living in my car. Yeah, and Sarah's crazy. And so, by the way, your trunk looks like a bag woman lives there. It's like a bag lady <laughs> lives in the back of your car. But It's true. That's, that's gone through. That's transported me from, like, multiple apartments and stuff, and I've just ugh. left some things behind. And like. So we went into a commercial break uh, about five minutes ago, and here's what happens. When we go into a commercial break... Sarah will say, hey, Rick, you've got a live commercial for Powell's, or you've got to do something for Viso, or, you know, or Tim, you've got to think for EcoPDX. So just now we go into the commercial break, and Sarah says, all right, Tim, you've got a, a live commercial read for, uh, for Bike and Hike. And Tim goes, no, 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 I just did that, which he didn't. And Sarah said, no. And Tim goes, didn't I just do a live Bike and Hike commercial? Which, and if by just you mean yesterday, then that is true, but you haven't done one today, but you were just, you were convinced that you had just done it. Yes. And so just so so now moments ago we throw the news to you we play the news and you say is this me again? It's like this song sounds familiar. You've got some weird. There's some rift in the space time continuum in your head today, man. Um, well, I'll give you a moment to collect yourself. Let's. No, uh, I'm all collected. I'm just saying I'll give you a second. Let's uh, let's welcome to the Rick Everson Radio Program from the National Enquirer our good friend Dorothy Carcassari joining us. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? We are fantastic. Except there's a family of rats living in Sarah Dillon's trunk. Oh, it's an exaggeration. There's probably just a, a couple few. Just, just a couple little little happy ones. It was sort of a, It was discovered yesterday afternoon, and now we're trying to figure out how to get the rats out of the trunk of the car. Well, I mean, in in New York City, there's usually a family of mice living in everyone's apartment. So we were actually yeah, we were talking to our friend Steve Kastenbaum from uh, from CNN Radio. He's the the correspondent for New York, and he was just talking about like there. It's sort of like a. There it's sort of like a, um, what is that thing, that it's a detente or whatever it is that the Soviets and the United States use over. You sort of look at each other and, you, you know, you see each other on opposite ends of the street and you both kind of walk by each other real carefully. You don't break eye contact. You don't actually cause any trouble, but, you know, you walk by each other very slowly and cautiously until you're far away from each other again. You just have to, it's a tension-filled coexistence. That's pretty accurate. All right. Um so I have a couple specific stories from the new inquiry to, to ask you about, but the, before we do that, what is, uh, from your perspective, what is the big inquiry story right now we need to know about? Gosh, we have so many. Uh, we should probably talk about the information that we have about the uh, presidential race because that is the big news of the day. That's what everyone's talking about, right? So there's both Biden and Cindy McCain stories out right, right now. Right. This is proof that the inquiry never leans one way or the other because we have – on the left-hand side of the page, Cindy McCain's lies exposed, and on the right-hand side of the page, Joe Biden accused of cover-up and man's death. Fantastic. So we have, uh, you know, Cindy McCain being caught in telling some lies uh, about her addiction to, to pills. Um, she kind of fudged some dates that, when we really looked into it, the dates didn't really match up. Well, because um, she, when uh, she was sort of, she was hooked on um, Vicodin or Percocet or something, and I heard that she actually stole from her own charity to sort of fund that addiction. Now, that's true, but that's what I've heard. Right. Well, that's. I mean, she she actually has confessed that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of out there. 
but now we are now we're hearing that you know one of the reasons that she gave for sealing was because she had ruptured a couple discs carrying her one-year-old Bridget. Uh, she was she's the daughter that's adopted from Bangladesh, right. carrying her one-year-old Bridget in a pack on her back. But uh, the prescription pill addiction began in 1989, and Bridget uh, wasn't born until 1991. <laughs> So we're trying we're trying to figure out what exactly is going on there. Right. There's also some other things, uh, but then on the flip side of it, we have uh, Joe Biden, who basically is being accused of this cover up in a man's death. Uh, we have an on the record interview with um, the it's basically her, his brother, Joe Biden's brother, that uh, killed a, a man in this horrific hit and run accident, and now the daughters of the victim. Um, are you know coming out and, and talking to us, saying that there's eight hundred and eighty thousand dollars that's still due to them that uh, they've not received, and that Joe Biden, you know, hasn't really right. helped to to get to them. So, mm. lots of things still being uncovered. We'll probably be uncovering things about all these people way after the results come I, in about who the next president is. <laughs> I was say, and the great thing, as you said, is you guys kind of hit both sides of the aisle equally. And, uh, I mean, really just in the, the run-up to this election, things have just gotten so nuts and just it, it's so crazy. But, it's uh, but you know, in, in a world of uncertainty, there are a few things on which one can depend, and one of those is that the National Enquirer will be at the forefront of dirt digging. Um, the, uh, the, the final thing, and we sort of mentioned this earlier, but we didn't really get to the bottom of it, this business of Lindsay Lohan, uh, and, and Ugly Betty, because we heard, what, she shot some stuff, but then they cut her out or they kicked her off the set. Something happened. Well, she's supposed to tape six episodes, and now she's been cut down to four. Uh, you know, some, some insider is saying that she had this huge entourage. She was constantly smoking. She wrecked her dressing room so badly that they had to repaint it. Uh, you know, these, this is all what's being reported. And, uh, you know, some, some reports are coming out that it was because there was a feud between Lindsay and America Ferrara. Some were saying that Lindsay would say, you know, I'm not going to work today until America Ferrara shows up. So we're going to have to kind of see how that whole thing pans out. Oh, all right. You know, it's a good time to be you, Dorothy Carson. It really <laughs> is. I mean, now more than ever. So. Well, thank you. All right. Well, as always, have a, a pleasant day. We will talk to you very soon, Dorothy. Thank All right. You. Thanks a lot. All right. There you go. Dorothy Cassisari. I dig her. Here's Tim Riley. What? No music this time? No, it's okay. Here's Tim. Do we want to play the music again? No. Do you, my... Is it now a Pavlovian thing? This story is too exciting. It doesn't need music. Okay. Breaking news. John McCain's election night watch party might be missing John McCain. Instead of appearing before a throng of supporters in Phoenix on the evening of November 5th, apparently he may not show up to his own election night party. Well, which is weird. You know, Roop is going to be there. Roop's going to be at the McCain headquarters in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So they say, so where would he be then if he's not going to be there? Uh, let's see. The arrangement uh, is due to space limitations. <laughs> space limitations. I'm sorry, John. There's just no more room. I, uh... No, look, are you on the are you on the list? Wait, hold on, McCain. Hold on, McCain. Anyway, McCain. No, I'm sorry. There's a. Uh... It says right here. I don't believe I'm reading it. It's due to space limitations, and McCain might drop by the election watch party at some other point, like four years down the road. So they're saying that McCain. So because of space limitations. Space limitations. McCain may not be at his own election night party. Right at the Biltmore in Phoenix. Well, you know what that's all about. Mm -hmm. That's you. I, I'm just saying my my constitutionally protected opinion. They're afraid he's going to lose and he's going to have a meltdown. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, right? They're afraid he's going to lose and he's going to go crazy. Where's Sarah Palin going to be in election night? Do we know? 
That's a good question. She it might need say. some. Uh, she might need some some consoling. So I'd be happy to help out there. I, that seems to me very much like they are afraid that if McCain loses, because look, I mean, twelve in, days and counting, I mean, twelve days to meltdown. I, but what happens if he wins? If he wins, then you know he'll get up and he'll give some stilted wooden speech in which he doesn't speak all that effectively, in which he says something like, "My friends, blah blah blah, average American, blah blah blah," and then he'll thank Joe the plumber. Uh, oh, by the way, that's another thing. As we get closer to election night, we're going to be doing uh, our political party happening Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Grand Central Bowl in conjunction with the Willamette Week, the Oregon Bus Project. We got to get, we got to buckle down at some point and do an election night drinking game. I mean, a drinking game, especially because we're going to be in a place that has that uh, many libations to offer. So, so if he wins, it's just going to be the same stilted crap. If he loses, I mean, look how off the, you know, unhinged he was in this last presidential debate. And then, I mean, he's still within, you know, he could still win, theoretically. I mean, yeah. he's still close enough he could win. Mm -hmm. And he looked like he wanted to go over there and just cuff Obama right in the face. So I can't imagine what he'll do in front of a live audience, live cameras, if he gets his clock cleaned. I mean, he might just finally lose it. He might, the remaining marbles in John McCain's head might just roll right into the drain and the floor of his head, in the floor of his brain, and he might go bonkers. So, uh, that's, I'm just making, you remember what Nixon did? You know, when Nixon lost the, uh, you know, the governor race in oh, California. Yeah. And he you did, don't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Yeah, I've got that, I've got that whole speech here somewhere where Nixon uh, just went off at the, at the press court and he, he was talking about, um, and he said, and if you decide to give a candidate the shaft, just put one lonely reporter on the trail to report the truth. And he says, blah, blah, blah. You want a Richard Nixon to kick around anymore? And he uh, went crazy. So, yeah, that's completely what that's about. I can't believe that. Yeah, and that, that they're trying to, And that they're trying to blame it on space limitations. Mm -hmm. Wow. They have to move the buffet. He should just say, you know, this is another reason why the, the, the GOP, look, it's not too late to hire me. It is not too late for the Republican Party to hire Rick Emerson to come in and fix it. I can fix you know, I'm like uh, you know, I'm like uh, G. Gordon Liddy. I can come in and plumb those leaks. I can get things working properly. The way they should have said it is mm -hmm. this fiction that he's not. They're not going to be able to fit him in the door somehow. They should have just said John McCain, who values family above all else, will be watching the election night results with Cindy and the children at his home. He will most likely stop by to speak with supporters and share a few words with the American public. But he will be watching democracy in action alongside his family at his home and whatever. See, I just made that up on the fly, and it sounds believable. You know how you know it's believable? Because it kind of makes my stomach flip-flop a little bit when I say it. it. makes my skin crawl a little bit. So, uh, all right. You know, it, it's not too early for me to start putting my name out there for 2012 to start helping some people win elections. Mm -hmm. I could do it, too. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, Lee Atwater's dead. Somebody's got to pick up, the, uh, pick up the, the, you know, the, the baton. It could be me. Here's Tim Riley. Jennifer Anderson wants to make it very clear she is not carrying John Mayer's baby. The actress's rep issued a statement for entertainment tonight to address Internet rumors that she's pregnant. The rep says, quote, give me a break. She is not pregnant, unquote. You know, do I, am I alone in finding the phrase carrying someone's baby to be kind of off-putting? I find that to be an icky phrase. Uh, so apparently 970.am is down. For some folks who are listening in Colorado, but it's up in Lake Oswego. So what it is, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, so I guess it is a regional outage. All right. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. When we come back, exit poll, Jim Roop, new striper single. Well, the Bush administration today warned of real consequences for Iraq if it rejects a newly negotiated security pact. Like they'd be afraid at this point. <laughs> 
What are we possibly going to threaten it Iraq says, with? Well, here here is the threat. Without a deal, the United States could be forced to end its military operations. And naturally, that would make them all cry. I mean, is there anything left to defend in Iraq? And what is one big pile of uh, broken dishes and rubble? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The White House said Iraqi security forces are incapable of keeping the peace without us being there, raising the specter of reversals in recent security and political gains. There will be no legal basis for us to continue operating there without that, said the White House uh, press secretary, whose name is Dana Perino. And the Iraqis know that. And so we're confident that they'll be able to recognize this. And if they don't, there will be real consequences. Americans aren't... Uh, won't be able to operate there any longer. All right, then. By the way, this email says, Rick, I'm at PDX Airport waiting for a flight to San Diego. I'm using the free PDX Wi-Fi to listen it's to the show. Great. AM 970's website is up and working for me. So, all right. Well, the website is, I guess, down in some places, up in others. But the... And you can walk right across and get some Wendy's fries, too, at this long horseshoe-shaped uh, table. Now, do you do that? I do. Aren't they cooked in beef tallow no, or something? Not Wendy's. Really? You know, I dig Wendy's fries. Yeah. i got to say that. The last They're time I flew to uh, to Salt Lake... I was uh, sitting there, and I was uh, eating a big thing of Wendy's fries, and they were really good, very crisp. I love sitting around PDX. I wish you could do it every day. You know, uh, the airports are very soothing to me. I find airports very calming for some reason. Um, quickly, before we break, random places that you find soothing or calming, and it doesn't count to say like a park or some crap that is supposed to be that way. I'm saying is there sort of a, an unconventional place or business or type of, you know, you know, type of area that you find to be soothing? I used to like Nordstrom's before they took away the piano players. Oh, that's right. Sarah? I like cemeteries. Cemeteries? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saying for me, airports, uh, and I find uh, I find hospitals to be soothing. Oh. You know, uh, for some reason. Go to a hospital, I immediately feel calm. All right. Back after this uh, with our exit poll. So we're going to find out how you voted, if you have voted. And it's not limited to Oregon, folks. So if, you've, if you're listening online, you've already voted in uh, this year's election, we want to hear from you. Jim Roop from Los Angeles. The new Striper single... Uh, and later on, High Concept Thursday. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Moments away from Jim Roop. Then we'll do an exit poll, find out how y'all are voting out there. Uh, new Striper single. I keep promoting it as though it's a great thing. It, it sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. You are. You're, like, selling it. I, I think it's just because I wrote it down, and, the, I, and I really, you know, I am really Ron Burgundy in that fashion. It's on the page. It's on my matrix in front of me. I just continue to read it. All right. Anyway. We have this thing about the guy that fed his neighbor to pigs. Um, Let me just read this real quickly. Hello, Hannibal. <laughs> a farmer in Sweden who was convicted of killing his uh, parents and feeding his neighbor's body to pigs has lost an appeal against life in prison. There's really no reason to read the rest of the story. It's all just all just a headline. 32-year-old convict killed his father by hitting him in the head and then strangled his mother four years later. He told authorities his father was kicked in the head by a cow. In 2005, after a neighbor died on his farm of natural causes, the man cut up the body and fed it to pigs in order to claim the dead man's pension. Well, there's really no way to make that more interesting. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson From the City of Angels, Jim Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. Good afternoon. How are you, my uh, brother? Where are you at? What's, what's going on? Um, well, I'm back at the Bureau now. All right, excellent. Um, hey, so i got a couple things. Uh, first of all, there's... Uh, well, let me back up for just one second. 
Did you say the other day that they're now in the jury selection process for this new Spectre thing? Uh, jury has been seated. Oh, the jury has Opening been seated. statements start Wednesday. Let's not confuse this with me really caring, because I think I don't. I think I've uh, made, made the decision inside my own head that I uh, that I don't care. I th- there was really only one trial that I was interested in, you know, sort of re- you know revisiting all my previous interest for, and that was OJ. Now right. I think I'm I'm done. You know, I got to tell you though, that's where I'm going to be stuck next week. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. I really am sorry for you. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I know that. Like, look, as I always say. I can't complain about my job, and you probably feel the same because there's some guy picking up rocks for a road crew. You know, it, I'm just happy to be employed. Period. That's what I'm saying. In 2008, uh, I'm happy to have a job. Yeah. That being said, I, I think Kastenbaum might have made this point. It might have been you, but I think it was Steve who was talking. He had to go sit in some. He had to go sit in some the New York courthouse for some trial for something or other. And he said that it's just after a while your brain is just mush. I mean, you're sitting there. And it's like you want to gnaw off one of your own feet just out of sheer boredom. Well, the, the problem with trials is that there's a process to get to a particular point. There's foundation you have to lay for every question. Right. You know, so that there's no confusion in anybody's mind uh, and that you're not leading the witness and all the stuff. So all of those little tiny steps to get to your point could take a half a day. Uh. And you just want to stand up and go, shut up. <laughs> Exactly. Here's what you just ask them the question. You really want to, you, you know, you want to say like, can you get me a radio edit of this? Can you just, you know, give me the clips notes? Yeah, and then crime. there's all, and then there's just so much stuff, uh, and and a, a lot of time it's it's the defense trying to cloud the issue right. with whatever they can to lay whatever doubt they can in the mind of a jury or a judge if it's just a mm. a, a judge. But man, he's right. It is sitting through a trial every day. You start, it's like, you know how sometimes you're driving, you go, how did I get here? (laughs) Exactly. You wake up at the end of the court date and say, oh, hell, man, what did I miss? Yeah. Because you've been sitting there for three hours, but you didn't hear a thing. There's nothing written down on your notepad. You're going, oh, man. Just sitting there lulled into a deep sleep by the uh, soothing sound of the courtroom sketch artist pencil scratching (laughs) on the paper. That's such a great analogy, but you're right. But, I mean, really, that's what it is, and it's just, you know. It's a description. It's not an analogy. It's a description. It's a thing. Um, anyway. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, and real quickly, before I move on, I have a quick McCain thing to ask you about because it does affect you. Um, I know that you, you all, like everybody, you all are having these, uh, you know, some, some, some budget issues, we might charitably call them down there. Um, Schwarzenegger is seemed in some ways, or maybe he still does, I don't know, to be kind of a Teflon governor where a lot of stuff didn't stick to him. He really did seem to be able to rise above it. What are the odds that any that all of this budget stuff is that he's going to be claimed as a casualty for this? With the, the California or with the nation? Well, because well the, the, the economic crisis. It, I know that he has had all these battles going back and forth about you know he was doing that cutting pay and you know, and reducing people. He was talking about that dropping to minimum wage for a lot I, of the I state think employees. What works, I think what works with Schwarzenegger is the fact that from day one and his whole reason for getting into the political office or the political arena in the first place is to just say, here's what it is, here's what we need, and we got to do it regardless. Right. right. And I, I really believe he surrounded himself with such good people, Warren Buffett on down, that he can be blatantly honest with the legislature and say, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this. Right. If you don't pass this here, everybody gets minimum wage. We're going to reduce the California wage down to the federal minimum wage, so because so we have to pay bills. We got to pay for firefighters. We got to pay for the uh, the uh, the help we got from other agencies out of state. We have to pay these bills, and we have to pay them with your salary if we can't get this budget passed. I think he's just able to be honest, and probably more honest 
than most politicians dare to, because you know how it is in any relationship. If you reveal yourself too much, you're afraid you'll lose that relationship. Right, right. And you don't have the trust enough to be honest. And I, I think that's where he... I think that's where he shines, is that he doesn't care. He's a multimillionaire with plenty of business opportunities out there, and he can just always go back to movies. And so he's going to be real honest and tell you exactly what he thinks and what he's going to do, and if you don't like it, kick him out. He's in that, uh, he's in that Bullworth frame of mind. Where Absolutely. Doesn't get a rip. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, hey, speaking You're of... a genius, man. <laughs> well, oh, oh no, you... No. You're a genius. Uh, I'm going to write that down on my business card. It's going to go right underneath like midday host. It's going to be like, and super genius. Make that a promo. Rick, you're a genius. Well, you know that. You know what I'm going to do? You say me a, you say I'm a genius. I'm going to put, put that on the top of my resume like uh, years and years and years ago, like about 1992, one, something like that. Early 90s. I was, I don't know, however old. I called the Bruce Williams uh, talk show because I'm a you know, big fan of Bruce Williams. Mm-hmm. And I called him, and I think I was asking some questions about basic finance, because, you know, the part-time, hourly radio employee working like 10 hours a week, had no money, couldn't, you know, barely enough to eat, whatever. And I, and I wanted to figure out how to be broke and how to, how to try to have some kind of stability. So I called Bruce Williams, who at that time was doing a real popular nationwide, you know, basically a financial advice show. And I call up and I ask him, and you know, he goes, well, kiddo, you know, here's what you want to do. What you want to do is you want to find yourself, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he walks me through whatever the steps are. And at the end of the phone call, Bruce just goes, well, Richard, you do sound like a solid young man. I wish you well. And then he ended the call. And it was so exciting for me. And so what I did is for the next probably year and a half, if you got a resume from me, like Rick Emerson looking for work, at the top, the beating before my name, phone number, anything. It just said, Richard, you sound like a solid young man, Bruce Williams. So that was what I led my resume with. So now that's going to be Jim Roop. You know, you are a genius. Um, One last thing on the Schwarzenegger thing. Yeah. I don't think he thinks he's Teflon. A lot of things do stick to him, including you could tell that by his approval rating in the state. Yes. It fluctuated so much. Uh, but I, I think he's just – I think he's just – one of those honest kind of guys that's going to tell you exactly what he's Well, does. and he's got the FU money. So, yeah. Oh, you know, yes, he does. Who does he care? Uh, so speaking of politicians and honesty and whatever, so Tim just had this story. I think this just came out about half an hour ago, and I don't really know. That's all we've kind of got on it is what I've got on it. That They are now saying that John McCain may not even appear at the election night gathering in Arizona and, and, and then blaming it on quote space issues. Well, that's not that's not what I got from the campaign people earlier today. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, I don't know where. And to me, I, I don't actually have the story in front of me. We just read it a few minutes ago, so that may not jive with what you have. But is this the most? If they're already saying that John, look, John may not even be here tonight. He might uh, be otherwise obligated, and uh, you know, there might just be standing room only. He might have to stay home. If that's true, that's weird, because what that indicates to me is if he loses, they're, they're afraid he's going to go full mental on television. Yeah, I think he's going to anyway if he yeah. loses. I, I, can't, I can't find... Wait a minute, here we go. Planning purposes only. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to say a lot of stuff out loud. No, that's okay. Uh, no, he's going to be there. All right, well... In fact, they're going to they're be piping his remarks... Um, on a closed-circuit feed to all the overflow press areas, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I desperately want to say... I mean, it, it, that really is the, one of the big payoff moments of any sort of real ugly, mud-slinging campaign is when all of a sudden, as Pat Buchanan says, you know, all of a sudden done, you divide the house in half and you hope the larger half is on your side. 
Um, and then you get the guy who's been out there, whether it's Obama or McCain, the guy who's been out there just throwing dirt and slinging slime and just making all of the most scurrilous, hideous accusations. It's always deeply satisfying to see that guy have to get up on television and just eat a full bag right there in front of everybody. You know what I mean? See some guy that's just been out there just kicking his opponent in the groin and just doing everything, you know, everything, doing everything but calling him, uh, you know, like a war criminal. And just to see that guy have to get him and just eat a full plate of it right there in front of the cameras. That's always, uh, it's like scratching some deep mental itch for me. Do you know where that story originated? Uh, I do not, uh, but I will tell you this. I will have Tim Riley rustle it up, and if I can find it, I'll email it to you. Okay, great. All right. As always, a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy your day. You on tomorrow? Oh, absolutely. Of course you are, because you're a trooper <laughs> and a genius. And I'm employed. All right. Thank you, Jim Roo. Thank you. All right, there you go. I dig that guy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Uh, uh, I was calling to say, you know what? More more news, but less Timmy Ryan. You're saying in the mornings now? Yes. All right. Yeah, he's been on the last two mornings that I could tell, and, uh, you know, the less I have to hear of him, the better. And so what we and just actually because I got an email about this uh, just the other day. So what we've kind of done with the newsbot, at least for now. So the newsbot is still on the station, uh, and just after sort of consideration. I mean, not that anybody really cares too much about the, the, the behind the scenes mechanics of a, of a radio station or whatever. But the newsbot is going to have more of an expanded presence because the newsbot, as you know, people who listen, Dennis Miller, top of the hour, the newsbot would come on do about 48 seconds of news, and there's an opener and a closer, but the newsbot would come on and give the headlines. And the newsbot, I think, is just fantastic. The newsbot is hilarious, and it's one of those things where it's like I almost don't even care if anybody else finds it hilarious because I find it unbelievably amusing. And I want to be able to do a little bit more with the newsbot, but this, there's not quite enough time in mornings to really make that work. So the newsbot is going to be uh, going to be moved to evenings during the Michael Mara show when he'll be able to do more. And I can't, I don't want to reveal too much about it. So I don't want to get just real quickly. I don't want to give it all away. But we, there are newsbot fans out there, and so the newsbot. I don't want to tip the hand too much, but the newsbot is going to be um, taking things to the next level. I'll put it that way. The newsbot is going to be delivering the news and more during the Michael Mara show, which airs seven to eleven right here on this very fine radio station. And the newsbot is going to be expanding upon what he has been doing and uh you'll have to be listening for more and then we have uh actual you know human news during dennis miller yeah but timmy ryan's not actual human <laughs> well no but he does but the human suit does fit him reasonably well most of the time so thanks for setting that up for uh, me i appreciate it thank you by the way did you did you realize that in your story about the lady that decapitated the attacker you said after beating off her attacker she cut his head off i'm just reading it from the uh reading it from the source my friend that's fantastic. Thank you. Sometimes they do my work for me. There you go. It's 503-733-2970. All right, it is time once again for the Rick Emerson Show's exit poll. Let me find my uh, music bed here. All right, so here's what we want. If you have voted, uh, if you have voted in this year's presidential election or, you know, whatever, uh, we got people listening all over the country, people in a lot of states, a lot of cities, people listening in the you know, various locales. So for now, we're going to keep it to presidential election. If you have voted in this year's presidential election, which you might have done in Oregon because the ballots have already gone out, if you're in uh, Florida, Utah, Ohio, um, God, where else were they already voted? Texas. So if you have voted already in this year's presidential election, now is the time for you to call 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503 uh, and I will say this, if you have already Given us your exit poll results. In other words, if you already called to tell us who you vote for, don't call again. We're trying to keep the exit polling to like a, the one-time only thing. 
So if you have voted and you have not already told us who your choice was, now is the time to call 503-733-2970. So because the polling place is your home, this is the Rick Emerson Show's exit poll for presidential election 2008. Uh, so we're going to go to the polls uh, right now. It's 503-733-2970. Don't forget, uh, the Rick Emerson Show's political party comes up Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl, featuring live updates and broadcasts by Tim Riley. Our friends the Willamette Week and the Oregon, uh, Oregon Bus Project are going to be there as well. I think it just finally occurred to me that we're having a party because you keep yes. talking about it, and I'm just like, oh, we're just going to show up there and hang out. But It's going to be a thing. It's going to be it's, a thing. It is going to be different, obviously, than a listener party. I mean, those are very, very structured and just and packed with events. And yeah. This is going to be a little more laid back in as much as a, you not know. for me, it won't be. Well, not for Tim. But, I, but we can basically just show up in our sweatshirts and drink, right? If by we, you mean you? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think the thing is, not to get too deep into it now, but... Listener Party 11, the last one we did, was, was great, was wonderful. So much stuff happening. A lot of people didn't really get a chance to just sort of hang out, talk to us, you know, just sort of, you know. And also talk to us, a good chance for them to meet each other as well. Yeah, and that's, you know, because every, there was a, something happening every five minutes of the last party. So this is going to be a little bit more of a casual affair unless you're Tim Riley. Uh, so Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., Grand Central Bowl, the Rick Emerson Show's political party uh, going to be happening. All right, let us now go to the phones for the exit polling. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, presidential election 2008. Who'd you vote for? I voted for uh, John McCain because I couldn't disagree with him more. Or, <laughs> I don't even know if I <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it. that counts. 503-733-2970, the exit polling. Who have you voted for this year? Barack Obama. Excellent, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, presidential election. Who got your vote? Obama. All right, thank you, sir. No, thank you. All right, it's five zero three seven. No, thank you. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We're doing exit polling. If you have voted in this year's presidential election, uh, for whom did you vote? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, my wife and myself both voted for Obama. All right, thank you, sir. All right. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? Hello. Hi. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? For the love of sweet Christ. Is that our phone? Jesus. No, it's their phone. It's them. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. You know, people say, is it me? Yes, that was you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. For whom did you vote? McCain. All right. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Obama. All right. Thank you. Uh, Rick Emerson Show exit poll at 503-733-2970. For whom did you vote? John McCain. John McCain. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? McCain. Right. Can, I, can I tell you why? Uh, man. It's quick. Sure. Now that I think it would be a knock on everybody's door, tell them personally I told you so, and then spend the next three to three and a half years laughing maniacally as our country goes down the tubes. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. So for sheer entertainment value. By the way, we wish John McCain and all elected officials a long life and the best of health. Uh, we'll do one more bank. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Exit poll. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Obama. All right. Hi, you're on the three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? McPalin. McPalin. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? Paul Renneker. <laughs> that is a 1% joke, and I applaud you, sir. Final vote for today. Hi, uh, Rick Emerson exit poll. For whom did you vote? Uh, I weighed both candidates, and I'm going to vote for my friend Kelly. Okay, then. Well, it is a democracy, sir. One may vote for whomever one wishes. Okay. 
There you go. All right. So let me tally these up. We have uh, I've been keeping a running tally so far. I'll have to go back and add this to the previous two days. So by a vote of six to four. Well, that's actually no, no, no. Wait, five. Yeah, five, six to four. That's actually pretty close. Six to four is that's what, 60 percent. So that's 60, 40 for Obama. Mm-hmm. That is actually, you know, what's interesting is that is actually pretty in line with the national polls. That's what's kind of weird about that. Wow. We are geniuses. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, oh wait, I'm sorry, that's my fault. I just did a whole, I just did I it. I thought we were going to break. No, I just, I just did a Tim there. That's my fault. Wow. I don't know what just happened. Me either. That was like before when you thought we'd already done the news and we hadn't. Uh-huh. Now, I thought we were supposed to do the news and we're not. I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know who to listen to anymore. All right, well, let me do this. We've been teasing this for a long time. And this song kind of sucks, so we only need to play about a minute of it. Um... I have here the new single from Christian rock band Striper. Uh, Striper. I barely knew her. All right. Uh, let me get this queued up. So Chris Paddock came. He sent me this via email yesterday. It's like, hey, dude, I got the new Striper single. And it, it, believe it or not, I mean, as dumb as this is, I was sort of excited to hear it. Not because I'm a big Striper fan at this point in my life, although I was as a younger man. But, but just because I, you sort of wonder, like, what is up with a band like that? that you think peaked 20 years ago, you figure, like, how big could their fan base even be? I mean, even in the Christian world, I, I think they probably everybody, you know, they've all moved on to something else at this point. Um, but, you know, you want to hear, like, kind of what they're doing, and how they're going to make their way in this uh, in this current world of rock. And there, it, is, it is also interesting because I, got, I heard this new Striper single the same day that we played Chinese Democracy, which is the new Guns N' Roses single. And the biggest comment I've heard from people about that Guns N' Roses song is not even that it's bad as such. I mean, it's a good song. I don't think it's a great song. I think that new Guns N' Roses track opens really strong. First minute, minute and a half, great. And then the hook just doesn't really, it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't take off. The, the hook is, is just kind of weak in my view. The hook is not strong enough to justify waiting 17 years. Um, but the biggest comment I heard from people about the Guns N' Roses thing is that they're trying too hard to sound contemporary. In other words, the great thing about Guns N' Roses is Guns N' Roses, at least the Appetite for Destruction era, didn't really sound like they were tied to any particular... You know, you go back and listen to Appetite for Destruction, it doesn't even really sound like it's from the 80s. It doesn't sound like it's from the 90s. It doesn't sound like it's from the 70s. Appetite for Destruction has this completely organic sound that is not tied to any particular decade because it's this weird mix of, like, Sex Pistols and Aerosmith and Rolling Stones and Fear or something. Um... And with the new single, Axl Rose obviously is very is trying very hard to sound cutting edge. And when you try to sound cutting edge, you almost never do. And when you try to sound contemporary, it, it almost always rings a little false. So that being said, I wanted to see if Striper was going to try to update their sound. And they've, they've really done exactly the opposite. Not only have they not updated their sound, they've actually become even more retro. And you'll understand what I mean here in just a second. Uh, let's see. I will read now the little press release. Uh, this is from, I guess, the record company, and it says, Here is Striper's first single off their upcoming album, Murder by Pride. The song is called Peace of Mind. I won't use the guy's name, but the signature on this email, which is done un- unironically, by the way, the signature on this press release is, Yours in Christ, blah, 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 blah. No. Look at there. From the record company. That seems kind of inappropriate. Oh, I guess it's, well, it's a, Striper. It's a Striper. Yeah. The valediction at the end of this letter is, yours in Christ, blah, 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 founder, da, 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 records. So, I don't even really know how to set this up, except to say, if you were Striper and you'd been 
let's say, largely irrelevant since, I don't know, about 1989 or so, if you were trying to have a big comeback, I don't really know that your shrewdest move, like right out of the box, would be to pick a song that no one ever needs to hear again at all. Pick a song that has already been, I mean, it's like you've already beaten the horse, the horse has died, you've continued to beat the horse, you are now beating the dust that was once the skeleton of the dead horse. You're also remaking the song in a way that makes it almost indistinguishable from the original, which, again, we're already sick of. So, without further ado, I give you Striper's big comeback single. It is, in fact, a cover of a Boston song. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Striper singing Peace of Mind on The Rick Emerson Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Striper, Rick Emerson Radio Program. What was that comment, Tim? It's sacrilegious. Check this out, though. Check out these. Make the baby Jesus cry. Why would you need to listen to this ever? <laughs> I feel like we're right in the middle of a block party weekend. Yeah. My only... How weird is that? And that's Michael Sweet, you know, the singer for Striper. My only... The only explanation I could think of, and this is what I told Paddock, is that because Brad Delp is dead, I think Michael Sweet is auditioning for the job of lead singer for Boston. I mean that I absolutely sincerely. I am completely serious. I think this is him auditioning to fill Brad Delp's slot in Boston. Because check out these harmonies. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow, and our guest will include Aaron Duran. Geekinthecity.com and Film Fever Radio. Uh, filling in for Scott Daly, who's... I don't know, doing some crap somewhere. Something to do with children. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. Hey, Rick. What's up? The weird thing about that Striper song, I totally agree with you. It's awful. Yes. But the lead singer for, for Striper, Michael Sweet, yes. is filling in. He's like the new lead singer for Boston now. See, that's the... So I, I had no idea. Um, I don't really follow the career of Michael Sweet as closely I, as I might ideally. It was... I don't know how, why I did this, but I found it on Wikipedia or something like that. Just one of these... Yeah, I had nothing to do, obviously. That's, so when but, so Brad Delp died, and so Michael Sweet started filling in, and I wonder if I w- maybe this is just an offshoot of that. Like, he's been doing it, so, hey, why why not put one on the new Striper record or whatever? Well, that, that's the weird thing about it. Why would you remake a Boston? You're already singing in Boston, so it's like you're the new lead singer for Boston, so now you want to be in a Boston cover band, too? At the same That is weird. I never really thought about that. He's actually singing for the real Boston Yet at the same time as confronting a Boston cover band in Striper, that's just bizarre. I hadn't really, I hadn't really, really seen weird. it from that perspective. Well spotted, sir. All right. Well, yours in Christ. Uh, well, see you later. All right. Thank you. That's just strange. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Bill O'Reilly has re-upped with Fox News Channel in a multi-year deal that pays him. 
$10 million a year to host his top-rated news program, The O'Reilly Factor. So I guess in doing that, he's getting rid of his radio show because he just doesn't have enough time. He had a radio show? Yeah, apparently. Uh A new cathedral is uh, being offered to sex abuse victims. Uh, Tara Light enjoys Oakland's stunning new modern cathedral in its first-of-a-kind garden. This honors sexual abuse victims. So don't ask me, how did they have membership cards to go to this uh, new garden? It's for sexual abuse victims only in Oakland, California. How do they determine that? Maybe you have to get a membership card okay. or a barcode or something. A bench placement is deliberate and takes into account the feelings and needs of Catholic sex abuse victims. Those who choose not to face the cathedral end up looking at a small lake in the street. I don't understand anything about this. The church's mission is to make sure they bring healing to people who need it. Okay. Well, whatever. Oh, that's a, this is a good time. Do we have that clergy watch? Oh, we do, yes. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your clergy watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's Tim Riley with your clergy watch. Former followers of evangelist Antonio Lamo, or Alamo, testified that they were often beaten at his instructions, and once at Alamo took a nine-year-old girl as his wife as prosecutors sought to prevent him from being freed. He's 74 years old. He's in federal custody facing charges that he took minors across state lines for sex. His trial is scheduled for next month. I should say he's 74 years old and also unbelievably creepy looking. Mm-hmm. One witness called to the standby prosecutors is uh, Jill Sprinkle, who testified she was taken as Alamo's wife at age 17 and was considered his wife for two years. She said Alamo had five other wives at the time and that uh, she knew of him taking a nine-year-old girl as his wife. Alamo is an advocate of allowing girls to marry when they reach puberty, but has denied that juniors took place in his organization. It's also said that Alamo's control over people in his organization are universal, saying he had to approve expenses such as toilet paper and toothpaste. Spencer Ozerak, 18, testified that he left the compound last year after spending seven years there. He was beaten by a man working under Alamo's direction. He said he was hit about 15 times on the face and smacked. 30 times with a three-foot wooden paddle on three separate instances after being disciplined for minor misbehavior, such as playing with a spray bottle. God forbid Tony Alamo's given a serious, severe, prolonged, injuring beating. Mm-hmm. I hope that that does not happen. In fact, I'm going to take just a, just a small moment now, and I'm going to pray to um, Jesus above, or, you know, whoever, uh, that Tony Alamo, man of God, alleged child abuser, is not beaten senseless and then shivved repeatedly in the shower and then left to bleed to death in his own bodily fluids. Because that would be wrong. Yes. Okay, there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Alamo, man of God. There's your clergy watch for Thursday. No, that's so wrong. <laughs> yeah. I gotta have I have another bizarre story here, too. Excellent. We'll be hearing more about this tomorrow. This one sounds awful fishy to me. Pittsburgh police are continuing their investigation into an incident where a staffer for the McCain campaign in Pittsburgh said she was mugged last night. The woman said she was walking away from an ATM when a man approached her, pulled a knife, and demanded money. The woman said she handed over $60. 
And when the robber saw she had a McCain bumper sticker on her car, knocked her to the ground and carved the letter B in her forehead. And it was an African-American man who did this to her, allegedly. So she is, So this woman works for the McCain campaign. Yes. She, and her story is that she was, she, he was merely going to mug her. Mm -hmm. But when she saw the McCain bumper sticker on her car, knocked her to the ground and carved the letter B into her forehead. I will say this is somewhat mm -hmm. reminiscent of Morton Downey That's Jr.'s. That's what I was thinking. Exactly. The Nazi thing? Morton Downey Jr.'s claim that he was beaten by skinheads who carved a swastika on his forehead or whatever. Mm -hmm. Except when, they, when, they, when, when the police talked to him, the swastika was backward, almost as though you'd done it while looking into a mirror. I'm not saying that's the case with this woman. I'm simply saying that's it what I think of. It sounds awful fishy to me. It, uh, I'd be curious to know further details about this story. We'll be Tim. hearing this tomorrow, I uh, suppose. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Oh, I think. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, uh, all the way through like us. Shall we, uh, Sarah, do you want break or do high concept first? Let's, let's get the break out of the way and then we can do all it right. to the top. Uh, so we come back. We're going to do today's high concept. Today's high concept topic Weirdest, strangest, slash grossest thing you have ever found in your car. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Today's high concept topic. Weirdest, strangest, or grossest thing you have ever found in your car. Another person does not count. It's 503-733-2970. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. All right. So, are you going to have your now? Are you going to have your car looked at tonight with this rat living in it? Maybe tonight, but if it, I can't tell if it's nice outside because I really want to go for a bike ride this afternoon. My friend's house is a good bike riding distance, so right. I might put it off till tomorrow. Cause well, I mean, look, the rat's been there for a long time. It's anyway. been there, I mean, yeah, for quite some. Yeah, time. If it hasn't come after you by now, I mean, the odds are it's. Uh... But I still going to tuck my pants into my socks. Oh, seriously? Well, because we were talking about how did they eat through wires too? Rats, rodents, and termites for some reason they love electrical wiring. Um, the freaky thing to me is how it, it 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 was as you noted it actually moved that blanket around a little bit as it was gnawing on. I don't it. understand how it did that. It's, it should be too small to do that. Yeah, it, it, you don't want to think about stuff like well, that. Well, I've been googling um, you know mice and cars, and there are literally hundreds of blogs on this and and people talking about it. I guess that happens more frequently than I thought. Um, speaking of this rodent that's living in your car somewhere, do you want to? Uh, Richie just typed something disturbing on the screen. Do you want to know? No. Yes. Richie says. Um, he had to move your car earlier today because you were blocking somebody? Oh, God. Richie just says, uh, I heard something scuffling around when I was moving your car. No, that's just that's mind uh, over matter. I'm just reading it. No, nope, nope, I'm not saying it's God. true or not. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's High Concept Thursday. Today's High Concept in honor of the rodent living somewhere in Sarah Dillon's automobile. Weirdest, strangest, grossest thing you ever found in your car. Uh, and let's remember to keep this clean for the air. It's 503-733-2970. Richie has already weighed in with... I found a used condom, not mine. So there you go. Weirdest, strangest, grossest thing you ever found in your car. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. A colony of ants. <laughs> now, like, have they built a whole ant fortress or hill or something? Um, yeah, actually, in the back seat between the cushions, there was the uh, the hill and all that. But what had happened, I'd left my car at a friend's house while I went on a cruise. She parked it under a tree, and it got it just filled up with ants, oh, and I was God. like, "Why are the windows black?" And then like, oh, oh my God! Sure. Oh, no, oh, no, that's not true. Oh. No, it is. It's, it's it's very true. I had to have it towed away to have it cleaned out. I couldn't even get in it. 
Why are the windows black? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I said the same thing. <laughs> God damn. All right. Thank you, I think. <laughs> no problem, Bob. God. Indy, why does the floor move? That's good. Good job. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Jesus. Hello. Hi. Hello, it's you. I'm here. Hi. Weirdest, strangest, grossest thing you ever found in your car? Uh, Three generations of mice. Three, now, how do you know there were three generations? Was one of them sagely giving advice to the others and then making them like a, a sumptuous <laughs> ethnic dish? No, my um, my daughter's grandma gave her a car, and when we drove it home, we noticed there were some noises. So we opened the trunk, and we saw about six. We got them out, and as we started digging, we found 28 mice from big to little embryos. Mice embryos in the car. We had to tear apart the whole back end of the car. It took us over four hours to get them all out of there. Oh, wow. <sighs> all right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. You feel better or worse? Well, now I'm afraid I have 28 mice in my car. Yep. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's like a clown car for rodents. Hi, you're on the Rick oh. Emerson Show. Hello. Wow, those first two stories were really ugly. I can't get past that first one. Yeah. <laughs> that first one was really bad. Uh, a gallon of uh, milk that had been left in the car for uh, a week and a half in 90-degree weather without knowing it. That's fantastic. Had it exploded oh. or was it just all, like, tight? It exploded, yeah. It didn't. Oh. And, you know, on a warm day, even after we had it detailed, you can still have a wisp of, you know, spilt milk in the air. Never get that out of there. Uh, nope, never. On a warm day, you can smell forever, sir. All right, thank you. Jesus. I feel so clean. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, weirdest, worst, most horrific thing you ever found in your car? Yeah, I bought a car for 400 bucks, and I thought it was transmission fluid in the passenger's seat. Turned out it was a pool of blood, and in the door of the back seat... There was a bullet with brains and hair. You are making this up. I swear to God, it was an 84 AMC Concorde, and I have a picture of the bullet holes to prove it. Jesus. It's a yep. weird world out there. Murder mobile. Thank you. Have a good night. Uh-huh. I'm creeped out by this whole thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you guys doing? Uh, we're Hi. freaked out and a little, little bit... Traumatized. You know what, Sarah? That is the best story. I love you now. I, I know your personality. You're great. Okay. Anyway, I've got a little cat named Scooter, and he loves mice. If you want, I'll let you borrow him for an hour. We'll lock him in the trunk. Yeah. He'll well, that might be interesting. Like, it'd be like a cage match. <laughs> There's he'll, something there. I bet you that's actually not a bad idea. I no, it'll eat. take him ten minutes. He'll find them. Really? Yep. That's actually not a bad that's idea. Not a bad idea. Look, let's, let's be honest. If anybody can find a mouse or a rat and get it, it's going to be a cat. And he's little, little small, and he can fit in, and he chases everything in my house. And there's nowhere he can get to, and there's nothing in there that can hurt him. No, nope. no. If you want to give her my number, she's more than welcome to call. Me. I'm going to put you on hold, Richie. That guy's on one. Can you get his uh, his contact info? Thank you. That's not a bad idea. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, hi, Concept Thursday. Weirdest, grossest thing you ever found in your car? A bunch of mushrooms growing on the floorboard to the back seat. I had that happen to me actually. They were under the under the floor mat in my front seat because you get in and out of the car during the winter and you're always bringing water and dirt in on the soles of your feet. It gets right. on the floor and then it grows out of the carpet. It was messed up. I had like a leak or something, and it was right before I was gonna actually take a girl out. And I looked in the back seat and it's like, oh, 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 why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They just put a blanket back down there. There we go. All right, All right. thank you. Uh, uh-huh. High concept Thursday. Weirdest thing you ever found in your car? Hi. Uh, half-eaten dead rat. A half-eaten rat. And the carcass of the one who ate him. 
So he's sort of death by overconsumption, maybe? No, I I had the same problem as I had a rat in a car I bought. Uh-huh. It was a Volkswagen bus, and uh, there was a rat living in it, and I put decon in the car to kill oh, him. Oh, and so the rat ate his poisoned friend, and then they both died. Uh, it was pretty bad because they're about... The rat, both rats were about the size of my outstretched hand. Oh. oh. All right. they, no. they were huge. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd get some decon quick. Jesus. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, All right. Do we have time for one more or are we done? Yeah, we have one more. All right. Final call. High concept Thursday. Worst thing you ever found in your car? Uh, actually, when I stole your truck for the third time, I found a copy of Drunk Chicks <laughs> magazine, and the pages were stuck together with cheese and desperation. <laughs> Thank you. Best audience ever. I do feel a lot better after all those calls. Because it's a shared experience. Many, many it's, people I have that. I was feeling alone this morning, but now I, I share my shame with many. Excellent. Uh, well, on that note, the Rick Emerson Show wants to thank Lisa Desjardins, Steve Casterman, James Roop, and Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Durant from geekinthecity.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, uh, newsroom, Tim Riley and the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, CBS. Wait, what did I just do? I just merged two of them together. I got nothing. Like us next, talking about Awatuki Sue. Be listening. See you all tomorrow. Uh, watch out for snakes and rats. Bye. Rates were c- in the cut in the bush years. He is a typical white person.